0: Should I start, or are you good to go? I'm kind of scurrying over there for the headset. I've been here. Li- listen, I've been here since 615, right? Anything defines a Friday more than that, Mark? No. Show starts. Dying game. I got headphones <laughs> in here? Yeah, yep. Adapter? You
1: see anything? I always assume this is what. what sort of station do we work in. Is it a television station? It is not. Is it a train station? It is not. At times, I feel like, let's take the first train out of town, Kevin, <laughs>
0: especially on Fridays. Is
1: it a radio station? It is. So therefore, considering especially that this is the, the, I believe, of the three shows that are done out of this radio station, Kevin and Query to start your day, the Dan Dockett show from noon to three, JMV from three to seven, I, well, three to six, replay six to seven. I assume since this is the only time this seat is used that the headsets that that happen to accompany it would just be in the vicinity the next day and i always forget to check that is correct
0: what's the old saying about assume <laughs> you ain't lying there man good friday morning to you it looks to be another nice fall day here in indianapolis the final day in the month of september oh, do we get to play green day i guess we when won't september be able to, ends we won't be able to play that tomorrow right we Might won't have be here spoil the rejoinder but that's okay <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry, Mark.
0: Tess, tess. Matt Taylor, Greg Greg Straw, our usual Friday lineup. Jim Mercer, very quick on the Twitter button yesterday. We were asking, would we hear from Jim knowing the importance of Sunday in his eyes? And boy, did we ever yesterday. So we'll go over some of that. It's a much better injury report for the Colts heading into today's final practice. And again, overall, I think the optimism for Sunday should be there. I think Tennessee is nowhere near. Uh, What we're used to seeing, and the Colts have been exceptional in stopping the run this season, and Derrick Henry coming off that foot injury does not look like the same Derrick Henry. I do think, Jake, we'll touch on this a little bit later, I do think we could see a starting lineup change on the offensive line. So that'll be something to monitor at today's final practice, but I do think we could see not a monumental switch, but one up on the offensive line. I still say no matter what
1: line you go with, no matter, you know, whatever, you need – the combination that you select always needs at minimum three games to gel with one another, right? I mean, I know that that sounds like best-case scenario and really greedy of me, but I, you make a change, you're still – it's not like an
0: instant fix. Yeah, I was um – um. I don't know if I share this here, but I was thinking myself earlier in the week, in my opinion right now with the pass protection and and the bleeding of the pass protection, I feel like the easiest way to slow that down, to stop it, for it not to become a trend in October and November is to get the communication on the same page. You're going to have individual breakdowns no matter what you do up front. You know, this possible switch they make, I'm not going to act like, oh, that's going to cure everything. No. But if you can get the communication aspect down, at least you can quiet things. And right now you just got to quiet it because it's screaming loud and Matt Ryan's taking way too many hits. And if there's one thing Tennessee does, they get after the quarterback in a very disguising manner. And certainly they're going to look at last week's film with the Chiefs and say, we need to confuse the hell out of that Colts front. Okay. Are we are we down on the stream, Mark? No. Or is the app not working? Did we get any wind uh, of that? I've not been told that. No,
2: we're I'm looking at us on YouTube right now.
0: YouTube stream is good. Apologies if you guys have had any app or stream issues. Speaking of down in
1: injuries, Kevin, let me let me tell you an observation I had last night, and I want you to tell me if you think I'm, as I do do from time to time, overthinking it. Okay. Sometimes I am guilty of, I am very guilty of two things. One is assuming that all people think as I do. Not all the time, but at times I'm guilty of that. I'm also guilty of when I have a thought in my mind, sometimes having an inability to accept or understand that not everybody sees it as I do. So I don't know maybe if the truth is is somewhere in the middle of those two things on this observation. A buddy of mine actually tweeted something along these lines and I said I thought to myself well what is that exactly entailing and I reached out to him and he pointed something out to me and then I did more of a deep dive. I admittedly was preoccupied last evening with some things I had to get done so I wasn't watching the outset of the Bengals Dolphins game. I saw Joe Burrow's ridiculous pregame outfit, and that was it. And then later I watched the game. But we went through a cycle, primarily when like the movie came out with Will Smith and, and then right around the time of Colin Kaepernick, not to get into that whole sidebar. But we went through a period where the NFL was starting to have this – this rising tide of people not resenting the NFL, but getting exhausted by the NFL. Between the politics of the NFL, the discussion of concussions with the NFL, player safety in the NFL, um, public subsidies of the NFL. There were a lot of things that were this groundswell of people starting to question their loyalty to the NFL. And that went away, admittedly. And in the last year or two, there were, it's been a great relationship between the people and the league. It's Everything's been great. Oh, we're getting along great. We haven't had an argument in, in, like, two years, and things are wonderful. And then last night, the situation with Tua, when there was question whether or not he would even play because of what many believe to be a concussion that took place less than a week ago, and they said it was a back injury, and everybody's like, that is not a back injury. He got up and couldn't even stand up. He was wobbling around. That is not his back. He has a concussion. This is what people are insisting. And then last night he goes out and plays anyway and gets hurt again, and it's one of those gross injuries where Very Austin Collie reminiscent for me. Correct. And so it seemed to me like last night was the first time in a while that I have seen an outcry of fans of what are we doing here? This is absurd and i've seen players former players brandon Stokely, sending out tweets this is a joke the nfl pa does not care the nfl or the excuse me the nfl does not care they can say what they want about player safety that's a joke he never should have been out there and all of a sudden some of the some of the indiscretions of the past that rub people the wrong way i'm not saying to the level of people getting boycotted in the nfl or anything like that but what seemed to be perfectly calm and smooth waters the last few years in the relationship between consumer and product seems to be a little bit soiled again, thrown into the, fit, the mix of the announcement. And I know that supposedly the mayor of Tampa wanted this, and the Glazer family is going to give a million dollars to Florida Relief, which that number, by the way, I saw yesterday estimated $255 billion of damage. Uh, but a million dollars is still uh, very generous. the The announcement that they are going to play a game in Tampa on Sunday night, when within the exact market they're representing, I know a hundred miles away, but still, it is the Tampa DMA. You have not one but two towns that are basically wiped off the map. I get it. There's a lot of discussion we can have on that, but it just felt to me like last night was a bad night for the NFL. Oh. Now, Am I
0: overthinking it? No, I I think without question. I mean, you had current Colts players tweeting about Tua being out there. Um, I think last night was a very gruesome reminder, Jake, of the strides, massive strides that you still have in health and safety, um, concussion diagnosis, and in particular, Thursday night football. Um, You know, in my opinion, and I thought about this with the Colts playing next week on Thursday, I almost feel like, and frankly, this should be a mandatory thing that is done after every NFL football game. But in particular, when you go from the Sunday to Thursday, every player on your football team should come in there on Monday. And there should be a significant, whether it's concussion symptom check or just overall body injury check for all of those players. Because it's not like you practice Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday leading into that Thursday night game, you're not going to necessarily be exposed to a major high-level aerobic exercise to where you're testing your body anywhere close to what you would then be doing on Thursday night. Um, So that is something I think the NFL has to do, particularly in the short weeks. Um, I guess we we should note, um, it does seem like Tua is doing okay. Uh, Movement in all extremities. He flew back to Miami. That, to me, is always a good sign when the player does not have to spend the night in the hospital uh, in that city. Um, So that is the update on him. But how do you not see the scenes from Sunday? And I get it. The NFLPA and the NFL have agreed to the concussion protocol, and um, this is a collective bargaining thing. But how do you not see the scenes from Sunday and not have an intense examination over Tua in the Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, in between those two games, um, he he clearly should have never been out there, um, and I think you know a lot of people in the neuro world would know this a little bit. But you get that second concussion, like you, you get that second impact, so close together, that is where the long term effects can really be um, huge. And and you know, I, I thought watching it too, I thought back to Alec Pierce. You remember re- Week One, Jake? That hit Alec Pierce took over the middle. Yes. Comes over to the sideline, gets checked out, stays in the game. He develops concussion symptoms. After the game, he practices that next Wednesday, but then he doesn't pass one of those steps in the middle of, of the protocol. So, like, he doesn't. I don't think he practiced Thursday or Friday of Week Two. And again, that is the Sunday-to-Sunday Sunday timeline which allows you to better diagnose if that player can get through the concussion protocol. Whereas the Sunday-to-Thursday, you don't necessarily have these like key evaluation points. And that's where I go back to the earlier point of when you're making that move from the Sunday-to-Thursday, you have got to go above and beyond from a medical examination standpoint to make sure there is no way, shape, or form you're putting guys out there that could be susceptible to something like we saw last night. Andrew Luck was concussed in a Sunday game before a Thursday night game, and there was no shot of him playing. Scott Tolzien started on the Thursday night and Thanksgiving, you know, half a dozen years ago. Um, it was pretty shocking to see that. It was an awful sight, um, and it, I, I I hate to even go here, but like if there is an ounce, and I just say an ounce of positivity that can come out of it you would hope that that would awaken the NFLPA and the NFL's eyes and saying we have got to continue to take massive strides in what we're doing from a player safety standpoint, in particular from the Sunday to Thursday nights.
1: Here's the thing to me that is peculiar or indicting. During training camp, and we've discussed this before, Kevin. By the way, good morning to you. That is Kevin Bowen. My name is Jake Quarry. It is Kevin and Quarry on a Friday morning here on 93.5, 107.5. The fan, Mark Dykton, who is strangely silent this morning, although that's not necessarily unwelcomed. No, um, that was geez. rude. <laughs> <laughs> See, I just want to make sure you're awake. Oh, I'm awake now. <laughs> um, we, we have discussed this before, Kevin, but during training camp, I saw... I don't know. 60% of players during camp had these like pad- padding things over their helmet, the Guardian helmets. Uh-huh. And so they said, well, they're proven to reduce concussions and concussion-like symptoms by 30% or 50% or whatever it is. Well, then don't sit here and tell me that you're dedicated to all means necessary for player neurological safety if you have something that is proven that you're using during practice and training camp, but because they don't look cool and they hurt your marketing, you're not making players wear them in the game. Which is it? In auto racing, we are dedicated and and safety is paramount, but we're not going to make our drivers
0: wear the Hans device and races only during practice. What? Anything you see last night all of a sudden look at the Shaquille Leonard situation and say, I'm good with him not being out there? Yeah, I mean. Or is that a totally different situation? I don't think it's totally different. Um, I mean, we're talking nerves with Shaquille Leonard, and I'm not talking, like, nervous energy. I'm talking literally nerves in his back. Um, That's an element of regeneration, and, you know, it's not apples to apples, but it's somewhat similar. I think we need – maybe
1: last night was a good reminder that a player knows best about their own body.
0: Or maybe needs to be protected, honestly. Correct, correct. You know, because we, I watched Tua's press conference on Wednesday. I mean, he certainly sounded like a guy that wanted to be out there, and obviously you have to protect him from some of that. Um, again, movement in all extremities for him. Flew back to Miami. The Bengals win 27-15. to 15. Uh, Miami actually had the lead going to the fourth quarter um but Cincinnati outscored them 13 to nothing so if the Eagles lose this weekend we will have no undefeated teams left in the NFL when's the last time that you went through an NFL season and no team got to
1: 4-0 that's a really good question because uh, hell the Colts for like 10 years were it was routine right
0: 12-0 weren't the Cardinals like 8-0 last
1: year Yeah. well the Cardinals they went did they go 10 was it that deep I I
0: usually uh, <laughs> at least have a team go four and zero. uh so much needed for cincinnati last night you know another good question kevin that i don't know the answer
1: to while we're yeah. talking about things we haven't researched beforehand but we should have but we we're looking for headsets um how often does the final undefeated team become the super bowl champion
0: Ooh, i would say pretty rare that's a pretty rare i would agree i mean just look in this backyard but yeah, I, I'd say pretty rare. Uh, last year's Arizona
1: Cardinals, they started out. Boy, they didn't lose until week eight, so they were what seven and zero, right? They were seven and zero,
0: and then they lost two of three. On the and we'll obviously get into tons of Colts conversations throughout today, but on the Sunday night football game standpoint, Jake, yes, they will continue to play the game at Tampa. Uh, that is Chiefs and Bucks on Sunday night. Um, my first question is this If any first responders or any important people that would routinely attend Bucks games that would be needed elsewhere right now with everything going on in that area, if you have to take them away from the re- relief help to be inside of that stadium for three hours, the game should not be played there. That was my first thought. Um, I was texting with a good friend of mine who lives in Bradenton, which is about an it's like an hour south of Tampa, and he mentioned that the damage around him was, all things considered, pretty uh, tame. Isn't the right word, but they didn't lose power. I think he said he lost a pool cover. Um, so I I'm not gonna pretend to know like what is the exact damage around the Tampa St. Pete area. It seems to be a little bit further south, the Fort Myers area, that really. Got hit hard. One thing I certainly want to see from the NFL on Sunday night, if you're going to hold this game in that stadium, there needs to be at the bottom ticker. I I, I don't even need to see the score as prominent as I need to see. Red Cross hotline, here's the donation number, the relief efforts for those in Florida. That needs to be a must. All game long, PSAs throughout the game. You mentioned the Glazer family earlier with a million dollars in relief. That needs to be an absolute must. I, I would have liked to have seen the game. Moved, again, I'm not going to pretend to know exactly what the Tampa area looks like right now. I do think there is an element of there will be people in that area that after, you know, probably 72 straight hours of, you know, cleanup and minds focused elsewhere, a little bit of relief to watch that for three hours. Um, But at the same time, if you have to have any people that would be helping out in the relief efforts that are needed in that stadium for their normal duties, that game should be be moved to minneapolis
1: yeah t- i i totally agree i saw a lot of people that are like when i said the, i sent a tweet yesterday you know and
0: did you do the loud and proud tweets from jim ursay mark i think we need a lot of loud and proud audio today i think <laughs> i'm curious if jim had those scheduled did you notice the timestamps on all those
2: yeah, I feel like he had a couple scheduled during Thursday night and everything too because Ooh, he had a
0: rough one that is, He had delete. one like
2: right as the Tua injury happened. Yeah. Like, great
0: Thursday night are great coming up right now. A, so great game be. on at Amazon Prime. I'm thinking, oh boy, this will be deleted and sure enough, six minutes later, that tweet is gone. Prayers for Tua was the new tweet. Yeah. He had um, a tweet at four o'clock, five o'clock, six o'clock, and seven o'clock, right on the hour.
1: Yeah, those had to have been scheduled, right? Blue
0: alert! Sound the alarm! Colts fans must be loud Sunday. My tweet last night
1: just said, you know, (laughs) (laughs) said I know it's a diversion and all that jazz, but I can't help but feel that the NFL staging a game four days after many in the market had their livelihood devastated feels tone deaf. You know, and people are like, yeah, but a lot of those people probably just want to get out and make a paycheck again. I, I I get it. I mean, some of them have no home. I, you know, I, I'm sure they're. Uh, you know, there are people that like probably haven't been haven't been home or have not even returned to the market yet. And like people are like, yeah, but they want to get out and make their fourteen dollars an hour serving Cokes at the game. I, I I doubt that that's what they but OK, I mean, if I get it, it is a diversion. I get it. And I also understand that the Raymond James Stadium or whatever it's called this week is two hours north of
2: Sanibel. I get it. I have. My wife has family down there. Uh, most of them don't even know what time it is that right now because they have you no. What they, part yeah. is that? They are in Northport, so it's a south of Tampa. It's about an hour south of Tampa. They got hit pretty bad. Uh, they have no idea what time it is because they don't have electricity. Like my wife couldn't get a hold of her mom for hours and hours, and then we got a text at like three forty-four in the morning. She's like, "I don't know what time it is, but we're alive. We're fine. There's no power, no running water, this and that." So they got hit pretty good. So. I can't imagine that's the top of their priorities. When's the football game on? Yeah, They're just trying to get back to, you know, everyday life.
0: Obviously, think about everybody that's in that path. And now, I guess, South Carolina today. It sounds like Hurricane Ian, unfortunately, has strengthened a bit uh, over the Atlantic and South Carolina and kind of that coastal region um, could be in the path today. Matt Taylor is going to join us at 9 o'clock. Greg Rakestraw. At eight o'clock, I uh, mentioned a little bit earlier in the show. It's a much better injury report for the Colts um, yesterday than it was on Wednesday. Still no Julian Blackman, DeForest Buckner. Did you see any of the pictures of Buckner yesterday from practice? Rocking kind of like the Robo Cop on his elbow. That's always a good. The Barry Bonds. Yeah, yeah. yeah it literally looks like he's going to get in the batter's box. Um, call me crazy. I'd rather have Grover Stewart than DeForest Buckner on Sunday.
1: I, no question. I, he's their best defensive player right now, is he not?
0: And again, Jake, think about who you're playing.
1: Correct. Good call.
0: You know, it's not yeah. the interior yeah. rush of Kansas City that necessarily you need. It is the, I'm going to reset the line of scrimmage on a down in, down out basis. This was shocking to me. I, I know we played this game a little bit in training camp, Jake, the height and weight game of NFL players. Right. Tennessee has a left guard in Aaron Brewer who is in the starting lineup that is six foot one 274 pounds yeah that's remarkable how is that possible right Jake you take the height and weights of the division one college football teams I am willing to bet that you cannot find one maybe you'll find one okay give, give me a school off the top of your head uh, Minnesota Okay. Like 274 pounds. I'm picturing Grover Stewart picking that man up and throwing him into the section where Grover will be having his kitchen sink wings on Sunday. Now, they're going to be serving those, right? Yes. uh, I think section 110 and 510, I believe. The left guard of the—you said left guard, right? Yeah, Minnesota Golden
1: Gophers. The left guard— of the Minnesota Golden Gophers is Axel Roschmeyer.
0: <laughs> what a great name!
1: <laughs> it is, isn't it?
0: Six four three zero oh, five. I mean, don't you just like pencil in six four three hundred for every guard in college football? <laughs> Give me that was
1: so so fun to do. Give me one more
0: school before well, our morning. Well, last check-down. night the highlights, or when I walked in the studio this morning, I saw highlights of BYU on. So how BYU, about BYU? Okay, the Cougars. Notre Dame's next opponent coming back from the bye week next week.
1: They just uh, had a big win over the Wyoming Cowboys. Go Pokes. Uh, here we go. It appears as though the starting left guard. Uh, stand by. Okay. Clark Barrington. Mm, Clark. Axel Clark. <laughs> let's, see <Mom> how many, <laughs> let's see how many Clark candy bars old Clark Barrington's probably had in his No, or day. Say just fired off another tweet. Did he? Roof question mark. Clark Barrington is 6'6", 305, and he has got a divine-looking mustache. Clark Barrington, who we just pulled up for BYU, is my favorite college football player of the year because he looks exactly like John Candy in Summer Rental. It is Clark Barrington, literally, somebody said to him, you need to look like you are in planes, trains, and automobiles, and Clark Barrington said, let's go, here I am.
0: 274 pounds, Jake. Tonight, um, (laughs) Brendan King and I are going to be doing Brownsburg and Zionsville. I'd be willing to bet that there's probably multiple offensive linemen in that game that weigh more than 274 pounds. Did Brendan do a Cubs game? Yeah. um, So, and Mark, correct me if I'm wrong. I'd like to think all major league teams do this, but I know the Cubs, I think late in the year, they invite their minor league announcers in the booth to call a couple of innings at Wrigley. Mm-hmm. Which I think is really cool. Yeah, so he did do a game. So Wednesday he, was... he did one of their games. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's just Cubs centric, but I don't know, Jake. I'd love to think the Pirates invite you know Howard yeah. over for a game once the, I guess the triple. Pirates season just, goes just need a someone in longer. their building. Anybody want to do this thing? Did you guys see <laughs> Shohei Otani last night? I heard about it. I Incredible and step I insta- I insta- to watch. No it. No hitter into the eighth. That guy for him. Did Impressive. you see
2: that the other day it was like I think it was. Pirates and Reds and there's a picture of somebody did a side-by-side like this is PNC Park one of these pictures is from PNC Park during COVID when no fans were allowed this is from Thursday night and there was nobody I mean you couldn't tell the difference it's like oh that's not
0: and
1: good
2: and that's a good park too yeah it's a nice. from park. what I've heard I've always wanted to go
0: it's a nice Friday morning here another Roy G. Biv morning in Indianapolis week 7 of the high school football season is here for Indiana and Purdue important Big Ten road games this weekend we'll touch on that again go over the Colts injury report and will they make a change in their starting offensive line unit could be happening maybe at right guard um we'll touch on that as well Kevin Bowen Jake Quarry Mark Dykton sorry about the app being down hopefully that will not be down too too long you can find us on the YouTube stream terrestrial radio uh what else am I missing Mark I guess Twitter don't we have a link on Twitter yeah,
2: Twitter uh yeah Facebook not so much from what I heard but Yeah, we're here on Twitter. Kevin Acquary on a Friday. The Morning Checkdown.
0: Omaha! 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 Omaha!
3: Brought to you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com.
1: Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. By the way, Scotty Johnston, Kevin. Johnny on the spot when it comes to your question about, or maybe it was my question. 12 times the final team to go unbeaten in the NFL regular season has gone on to win the Super Bowl. Most recently, your Indianapolis Colts. They were the 12th and most recent team to it's have been accomplished the feat
0: and again after last night just one it's twenty-seven fifteen. cincinnati over miami uh the tua update from last night just an awful looking injury for him especially considering everything we saw on sunday um he was sent to a cincinnati hospital released from that hospital movement in all extremities he flew back with the team so a, a little bit of good news on that front <laughs> The Colts injury report yesterday, Jake, looking much better than it did on Wednesday. Jonathan Taylor back to practice. Ryan Kelly back to practice. Stephon Gilmore back. Yanni Ngakwe. Still no Julian Blackman after his ankle injury on Sunday. And no DeForest Buckner with an elbow injury. Um, Shaquille Leonard, he continues to practice. And he had a message yesterday during his media availability.
4: Yeah, I'm better. You know, yeah, each, each week has been, you know, better each and every week. And I'm, I'm going to say this because I've seen it all on social media. If I'm ready to go, you know, I'm going to play. Everybody know me. I mean, I went out there last year with one ankle. I love this game. I love this game with all my heart. And I do anything to play this game, you know, for 100 years. So there's no such thing as me standing on the sideline just because of me. So if I feel like I can play to the ability that I know I can play and help this team win, I'm going to be out there. But if I think that my ability is putting the team in trouble, I got to respect my decision to say, okay, Zaire's playing a whole, whole lot faster. His defense will be better with me standing on the sideline. It's just me got to look myself in the mirror, tell the coaches that. Um, but, you know, I just going to do everything in my will to, you know, be on that field each and every week. And when that time's coming, you know, I'm ready to rock and roll.
0: Jake, I mentioned it in the first segment, but I think it's worth saying again. Is there an element of credit Leonard deserves for looking at himself in practice and saying, I'm not better than Franklin. I'm not better than Bobby. I shouldn't be out there. Yeah, I think it's fair. I mean, I, I think he's earned that benefit of the doubt, don't you? I would agree. I think he's earned that benefit of the doubt. Uh, final practice of the week. Colts currently favored by three and a half. Last I checked. For Sunday. All right, college football this weekend. It's Indiana at Nebraska tomorrow night. IU is around a field goal underdog for that one. Game time decision for Aiden O'Connell and Purdue. That is a noon kick tomorrow with Minnesota. And that line has risen a lot. Nearly two touchdowns for the Boilermakers. That has not been, that's kind of like the Cole Center to Indiana basketball at Minnesota for
1: Purdue. And it's usually like 71 to 65. (laughs) I don't mean basketball either. Uh, Major League Baseball, by the way, there are two spots available in the National League wildcard chase, if I'm not mistaken, and three teams still in play. The Philadelphia Phillies, who were idle yesterday. Did we use that term in baseball? They were off. Uh, The Padres, who yesterday lost to the Dodgers 5-2. The Reds have been
0: idle for quite a while. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> they have. Uh, the Brewers also losing yesterday, 4-2 to the Miami Marlins. Elsewhere for the teams, oh, the Phillies did play, by the way, they, so they also lost to the Cubs 2-0. So status quo in that race. Uh, elsewhere, White Sox, who are meaningless now, uh, 4-3 over the Minnesota Twins, and cute fella losing 5-3 to the Red Sox. Interesting strategy from Baltimore, knowing that the wild card was in play to just go ahead and pack
0: it south for the winter. <laughs> I mean, they're used to that, right? I kind, of, say, kind of the, going about their own ways. The fact they're that they're it? in the mix in September is probably. <laughs> they should hang a banner. Is it Camden Yard still? That's right. Uh, that. Yeah. Pretty we're much. still discussed in September. That's what their banner is going to say, it's right? more than the Reds can say. All right, we come back. Let's get to the Colts conversation. A fired up Jim Ursay yesterday and I guess even Loud this morning. And proud. Yeah, I think that's an accurate way to describe it. And do we see a change on the starting offensive line unit? I think there should be a lot of optimism for the Colts this Sunday. I do not look at the Derrick Henry challenge anywhere near. Um, that it's been in years past. We'll explain more coming up next here. 93.51075, 5, The Fan.
2: You just had to do it, didn't you, Mark? You blew it in the first segment five minutes in. Can't find a headset, and you're like, hey, you should play us for joiner. Yeah, I, I, had it, I, I had it queued up. Well, this is the most
1: unoriginal thing to do in radio. Well, you know that, right? Coming from you, that says a lot. I mean, do you also do the Justin Timberlake, like, is it May yet or whatever? Would you like, like
2: me to? I could. I mean. <laughs> I could play some Star Wars on May the 4th be with you. <laughs> Thank you. Play some uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire on... Oh, wait, I did that already. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that was last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, good morning to you on a Friday. Radio Manual <laughs> 101, Mark Dykton. <laughs> That's right. Jake Query, Mark How Dykton, Kevin How to be a complete Bowen. tool and radio <laughs> by Mark Dykton. We make up Kevin and Query here on 93.5107.5. The Fan Colts Titans Sunday, Lucas Oil Stadium. And Kevin, you know, we say it every week in the NFL, this is a big one, but in fact, this is for not only the fact that it is clearly a divisional game but it is the two teams that were thought to be the front runners for the division jacksonville may have something to say about that but the colts have put themselves in a position within the division itself that there is no margin for error
0: exactly um this is massive 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 you've already squandered two divisional chances um yes this division has taken a step back this season so you know honestly getting to nine wins would probably get it done but Typically, to win the AFC South, you've got to win four or five of your six divisional games. And right now, if the Colts are going to get to that mark, they're going to have to run the table the rest of the season in the division. The good news is you do have three of these four at home. You'll go to Tennessee here in a few weeks, but you still have your three remaining divisional home games. But when you look at tiebreakers and all of that Sunday, again, mathematically, it means more than last week. Last week probably meant more emotionally. This week, the math indicates that the divisional win means a whole lot more and boys jim ursay fired up I, he knows his emojis pretty well on twitter i will give him that did you see the first one yesterday afternoon
1: i'm going back and looking here let me ask you
0: this this was before he got on the blue alert blue alert blue alert i think there was four of those but he had one yesterday afternoon that i think he had primal in there oh yeah, i saw off. that one yeah intense i Boy. think he does
2: more caps lock than he does non-caps pissed off intense primal for three hours not 30 minutes it comes down colts fans how bad do you want it football angry 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 face football <laughs> muscle muscle thumbs up angry 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 face football and never give up and then didn't he have one like a few minutes later Uh, We need every Colts fan. That was the first one. The first one said, yeah, we need every Colts fan that is at Titans game on Sunday to understand that you, yes, you, can help beat the Titans on Sunday by being loud like never before. I mean, so loud that you can help us dictate the game. Loud like you've never been before. Football emoji. Muscle emoji. You've been (laughs) challenged. What you going to do? Sounds like Hulk Hogan. And football emoji again. You know what everybody should do is have themselves a –
1: a dessert. Line up des- they, players should bring desserts, f- or fans should bring desserts for the players, right? And then each dessert would have the name of a different player that it's designated for, right? Yeah.
2: Well, you know what you do. You What's fire that? up Jack and Diane, that gets the crowd going every single time. <laughs> Nothing says pumped up on a Sunday.
0: Like some cougar. Uh, the Titans are going for their ninth straight AFC South Nine road win. Nine times. I think when you think about where Jim you know, venom comes from in this matchup, you know, 2002, the AFC South was created. The Colts dominated the division for the first really 10 or 12 years. Um, I think he looks at Tennessee and the hiring of Mike Vrabel in 2018 versus the hiring of Frank Reich. I think that is an element of his frustration. And Jake, I'm sure he thinks about it a little bit financially. He has not gotten the benefit of having a home playoff game in seven years. Because this team has not won a division title in seven years. And I think that's part of it as well. Now think about that. In January, we talk about this topic all the time, particularly in the offseason. What event do you want to see Indianapolis host next? What's the marquee sporting event you want to see this town host? How about a home playoff game again? Yeah. Seven years. Seven years. For Jim Ursay and the AFC South, that is a long, long time. So I think that's where so much of this comes from. It's that Tennessee, you know, he watched his previous regime, Pagano and Grigson, win sixteen straight division games. And, and Kevin, now it just
1: is so here's the thing.
0: He's sitting here watching Tennessee, Houston, and Jacksonville all win division titles, all have gone um either more playoff runs or deeper in the playoffs. Since his franchise lasted. You ever you ever sit in traffic
1: and you're sitting there and you're trying to figure out which I, I know I gotta get up there and then one lane starts moving, so you jump over into that lane and you're like, Oh my gosh, I just picked the wrong lane, and the other one is gets going and yep. you're just stuck. Immediate regret. I think Jim Mersey knows when he looks at the AFC at the beginning of the year in particular. Being in the AFC South, presumably there was a huge advantage of making sure that you were allowing yourself to stay in the fast lane by bypassing that first round by winning your division and having a team like the Chargers or possibly the Dolphins or Bills have to go on the road because they didn't win their division. There was There, there is no seemingly... I'm going more, again, to beginning of year thought, there was no or, or no division whose franchises had a better path than the AFC South to vault themselves into a lane that is moving faster than probably they should be driving. But he knows that. So he knows, like, listen, we, we have this huge opportunity here to separate ourselves from the Chargers possibly the dolphins or bills or the chiefs, whatever it might be without even having to play them by just winning our division and and letting a lot of BS take care of itself before they even get to us where, when we're at home waiting it, right? That's a huge, if you were the owner of a franchise, that is a huge enticement because you know, what's right there at right there at, at the doorstep.
0: You know, I think we talked about this last week a little bit, you know, Exiting the Jacksonville game, we did not hear from Jim Merce. I don't really think we heard from him at all on social media all week leading into the Kansas City game. And yet it's this week, following a win, that he decides to go to this degree of highlighting what he views as such a vital game. And, and to be honest, I think he's right, but it's a glimpse into his mind. We talked about Zach Kiefer yesterday of just how pissed off he's been in that the Titans have won 4-5. They've won the last two divisional titles. They're built similar to the Colts, and they've had more success with the similar building process. I think all of that is the reason why you see the owner reacting like this. I do think if we are going to see one starting offensive line change, I think it could be Will Fry's Jake, and for Danny Pinter at right guard. That, I think, would be kind of the... You're acknowledging a personnel change that needs to be made, and you're doing it and not necessarily jeopardizing like massive amounts of chemistry. Now, some could argue how much chemistry does this line have right now. But the other thought was Matt Pryor would move from left tackle to right guard. Well, then you've got to replace two positions there. With Will Fries for Pinter, you're getting a little bigger at guard. Pinter is a little bit on the shorter side. Um, Fries' seventh-round pick two years ago. He's played like 20-some snaps in the NFL. But I think if we see anything on Sunday, that is the position that I'm watching. Interesting. Now, you're saying this just based on – I think
1: everybody knows that Pinter is certainly a position that that they're going to explore or, you know, that could be upgraded probably. No no disrespect to any Pinter. But uh, are you saying that based on practice rotations or just gut of like, you know what, it, it just feels time?
0: Yeah, I would just say educated guess. Yeah. Uh, I kind of labeled it as that. And if you look at Tennessee, where they do have some dynamic players still, they've lost a lot, but Jeffrey Simmons would definitely qualify as that. He's a defensive tackle. did Nico Autry, which Colts fans know full well, um, he can be a really, really good interior rusher. So I think when you look at that, you look at what happened with Pinter last week, if they are going to make a change, that's the one area that I could see um, it occurring for the offensive line.
1: Uh, is Rake Cup next? Is that Greg
0: Rakestraw, right? every Friday at 8 o'clock, he joins us next. A little bit of football rundown, high school, college, and Colts-wise with Rake. We'll do that on the other side of the break. When I think of the cure,
2: I immediately think of the high school goth years of Greg Rakestraw. <laughs> this is your fault, by the way. We're going generic Friday songs the rest of the show because of you. Really? Mm-hmm. You've is, done this. Is there a Katy Perry Friday song? I mean, you might get a little of that. You might get some Lover, boy. you uh, might lover get some, Boy's the best, man. You might get some Greg uh, Rebecca
5: a Black.
1: Yeah, Greg Rakestraw. I've seen uh, pictures of Greg. He wore a lot of Doc Martens back in the day. Black eyeliner. I always heard he's a great tennis player. Aquanet. Isn't that
3: right, Greg? Well, there was that one day in October of 1992. That was pretty much the end of the goth era for me right there.
1: (laughs) That's about right. Uh, Greg Ragsdod joins us on the Payless Liquors Guest Line, of course, with ISC Sports Network. And you hear him each and every year during the preseason as the television voice for uh, the Colts. So we'll begin with the Colts, Greg. Uh, Jim Irsay is awfully fired up for this weekend. Do you think the Colts are?
3: I certainly hope so. Um, you know, it, it was talked about. I was at a practice on Wednesday and clearly Jim's passion for winning this game was, was talked about, you know, asked by several members of the media towards the players. You know, I, it, it, is this the Colts most important rivalry game? I guess, um, you know, it, it, it's supposed to be the top two teams in the division. I'm not sure they are right now. Given what we've seen from Jacksonville over the course of, of, of the first three weeks, and because of, of the transient nature and the short nature of careers, like I, I'm not sure I, I get this, you know, huge sense of hey, it's Tennessee week. Let's get, it's, it's the Titans. Let's go. I think it's more along the lines of hey, we played much better last week, at least on defensive and special team sides of the ledger, and know there is, you know, room for improvement offensively. I think there's a sense of optimism more than anything else more so than, hey, it's rivalry because we're playing the Tennessee Titans.
0: It's Craig Straw, I believe. Uh, Carmel Ben-Davis, is that right tonight, Rake? Yes, sir. Number five versus number seven. Carmel Ben-Davis for him on ISC Sports Network. Um, Let's stick with the Colts here for just a second. Uh, You expecting more October impact from Shaquille Leonard or Paris Campbell?
3: Uh, I would think Shaq Leonard, Uh, and that's not a dig at, at Paris Campbell. That's just hoping that Shaquille Leonard's on the field sometime sooner rather than later, because I kind of thought we'd see it by now, uh, to be honest with you. Um, but, no, I mean, at, I think at his best, Paris Campbell is a number two or number three receiver. At his best, Shaquille Leonard is one of the second or third most impactful linebackers in the entire National Football League. So if all things are being equal, the answer to your question is, is certainly the former. Uh, and if it's the latter, it, even if Paris plays well, I mean, that's a bad sign for the Colts' defense.
0: Do you think um, – I guess are you surprised by the lack of targets for Campbell so far? I think it's five catches and like – a hundred. I mean, he's playing a ton. It's like 180 snaps. It's not like right. he's, he, he's playing limited snaps. Are you surprised by the lack of touches, especially, you know, in that week two game we didn't have Campbell or when you didn't have Pittman or Pierce?
3: Week two you can say that, yes. Week one and week three, no, because I, I think we're trying to see again – assuming everybody's healthy, everybody's playing, Michael Pittman Jr. is going to get a lot of targets. Everybody else is going to get a couple of three. I think Paris Campbell is of the everybody else group uh, at this point. And so, yeah, you can say in week number two, but clearly nothing went right for that football team in week number two. So the fact that he wasn't targeted or wasn't a featured part of a game plan, you know, shouldn't be a surprise. But if Michael Pittman Jr. is on the field, Paris Campbell is going to get, A handful of balls thrown his way in the course of a given Sunday. Because if there's one guy who's going to touch it a bunch, it's going to be number 11.
1: Greg, we talked about this earlier. Greg Rakestra is our guest. Kevin and I were discussing this. Um, I want your thoughts on it. Did the NFL last night with the Tua injury and just kind of the hesitation about him playing going into it and then players past and present tweeting out, their skepticism about the NFL's health concerns. Did the NFL take a step backwards after what had been a couple of pretty good years of goodwill between themselves and fans?
3: Um, I'm not sure but a step backwards in terms of goodwill of fans. Um, I, I, I do think that, though, you can question the process in terms of what your eyeballs told you, what you saw from Tua on Sunday, and him playing four days later. And I And I tried to think of a... Similar scenario with the Colts, and it was nothing as visually graphic as a stumbling uh, on Sunday. And then what we saw with his fingers locked in front of him.
1: Well, Austin Collie was the first thing I thought of.
3: Right. I, I was thinking of, of the quarterback position. Okay. And the one game that Andrew Luck missed in his 2016 season, um, where he's, you know, fighting that shoulder injury the entire time. He missed one game because there was a he, he entered the concussion protocol, basically on Monday after a Sunday game, and it happened to be the week the Colts were hosting the Steelers on Thanksgiving night, uh, and so that was the Scott Tolzien experience in in 2016, the one time that Andrew Luck didn't start, and it was it was basically because. There was no way for Andrew to properly clear the concussion protocol in four days because it was the week where you played on Sunday and played again on Thursday. So that's the part that I'm trying to figure out is how did Tua clear that, you know, concussion protocol? Because it wasn't like Andrew Luck left the game, you know, on that previous Sunday. You know, I'm pretty sure he played the entire time. I'm sure Kevin's nodding his head or or, or right. checking back for that game, you know, as we speak. You're right. So, that, so that's what I'm trying to. That, that's what that is. Meaning, what it hit me is trying to think of it in my own experience of covering the team and knowing that was the one-time luck didn't play in a game six years ago was because of no way to clear the concussion protocol in four days.
0: Rick, I don't know if Tua ever went into concussion protocol. Right. You know, he I
3: was. I have seen the reports this morning that the uh, the independent neurological consultant that has to be at every NFL game that's not team affiliated cleared him. Um, apparently he went through tests at halftime of that game, uh, between the Dolphins and the bills on Sunday, but clearly there, there was something missed given the reaction we saw last night. But
1: Don't you remember? And and listen, I'm not saying this is what took place, but I do recall Peyton Manning getting in some hot water for making flippant comments that he figured out how to basically doctor the protocol test. Remember that? Like, yeah, yeah, you just like at the beginning of the baseline, right? Right. Set a low baseline. Yeah.
3: Guys, guys will, again, for, for as much more emphasis as has been put on this subject over the course of the last five to ten years. Guys are wired to go play football, and they will find a way to work the system. They think of their own self-preservation second. Thought, thought number one is, how do I get back out there and help the team? How do I get out there and play the sport that I love? How do I get back out there and play the sport that provides for my family? You know what? That's the biggest
1: one. I think it's – and call me a cynic. I think for a lot of them, it's it's a lot less about how can I get out there and help my team, and it's a lot more about how can I get out there and secure my position yeah. on the roster.
3: I don't think this is a, a situation of the team goading a player into playing. It's a situation and it's so rare where you almost have to the team has to step in and not allow the player to play for that player's own good. Right. Um because I, I don't these are grown men. They're 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 doing it this of their own accord, sometimes it was to their own detriment.
0: Greg Rakestraw is with us here. Obviously, you're going to hear him on Sunday, the Colts postgame show host. Much better injury report, Rake, yesterday. Uh, Still no Julian Blackman, still no DeForest Buckner. It's a different injury for Buckner. It was a hip last week that he played through. It's an elbow this week. Uh, He's wearing some wild contraption on his elbow right now. Um, I said it to Jake in the opening segment, Rake. Considering the opponent, considering the level of play, and I guess this sounds like a knock on Buckner But it's more of a compliment to the other guy. I'd rather have Grover Stewart this week than DeForest Buckner if if you made me pick one of the two.
3: That's how good Grover Stewart is playing. Uh, Where, again, you could argue about, you know, when Shaq Leonard gets on the field, who the most dispensable Colts defender is. Right now, the answer is the guy wearing number 90. Um, The fact is, he has gotten better now every year. He's in the National Football League. Um, You know, DeForest Buckner is a big part of it, too. Don't get me wrong. They're a lot better when those two guys are together. Um, but there's a reason why the Chiefs averaged 2.5 yards per carry last week. And I understand that the running the ball is the Chiefs' strong suit, but running the ball can be Patrick Mahomes' strong suit. He had four carries for 26 yards. Um, and so, yeah, you want to see Buckner out there, but if number 90's out there, you still got a shot come Sunday afternoon.
0: Kind of on that point, Rake, I don't remember the last time the Colts and Titans have met, and I felt this confident in the Colts in the matchup versus Derrick Henry. Uh, I I think Tennessee is really banged up on their O-line. I think Henry is getting hit behind the line of scrimmage way more than he's used to. And you expect the Colts defensive line, the number one ranked run defense in the NFL right now, I expect them to live back there. That doesn't allow Henry to get downhill. doesn't allow him to rev up 250 pounds. And I, I just, I fully expect the Colts to do a really nice job. It's not like they need to contribute, you know, safety help to an A.J. Brown. They can commit whatever they need to in the box. And I fully think they'll, they'll you know, handle Henry and keep him in check.
3: You, you hit on a couple of, of key things there in the last 20 seconds. And one, Zaire Franklin talked about that. He goes, he's so big, it's a matter about not letting him get his momentum. Uh, and, and so hitting him early. Trust me, that's in the mind of the guy that was the Colts leading tackler last week with 12. Hit him early. Don't let him get him revved up because sheer momentum because of his size. If he gets past the line of scrimmage, he tends to go for more yards. Um, but secondarily, it, it, it's, 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 back to what the Titans were three or four or five years ago. And that is you go, hey, they, they got a good tight end, or hey, they, they, they could run the ball. Who's their wide receivers? And they're back to that. Um, you know, they they didn't want to invest in A.J. Brown, so they trade him away. Leo Jones is a one-year field experiment. And the Titans wide receivers are whom right now? I'm, I'm sure you know the answer. I don't. could not tell you. Um, and, and so the fact that you can put every ounce of energy you got on stopping Derrick Henry, maybe having one guy back for a Ryan Tannehill bootleg, um, tells you that you can key all your energy on 22, which is, again, um, what I think this Colts defense can be successful come Sunday afternoon.
1: Greg, I'm looking into a crystal ball, and it's starting to form for me showing me the divisional winners this season in the National Football League. And all I can tell is that for whatever reason, the Colts are not the AFC South champion when I'm looking into my crystal ball. If that were true, would you assume then that that means that the image of the Tennessee Titans or the Jacksonville Jaguars actually is the one that comes up when everything clears out?
3: I will give you a better answer on this when I see them in person on Sunday. Because obviously I didn't see the Jaguars in person when I saw them on television. Um, if it's not going to be the Colts, I'm kind of leaning towards it being the Jaguars right now. My my hope is still that it's going to be the Colts winning the AFC South. But just from what I've seen the first three weeks, Jacksonville has more of my attention it's right amazing,
1: now. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, honestly, like it yeah. just goes to show that... Um, and listen, I know that it's probably unpopular opinion or whatever else, but I, I have no idea what the issue was with Urban Meyer. But also that just having young players on the defensive side of the football, and then putting your quarterback in position where he feels like he doesn't have to go out and score a billion points, and you get him confidence. It's amazing the difference a year can make.
3: You give you give a young talented team a coach to win a Super Bowl. It's amazing how how, how things can change quickly, right?
0: Rick, i was chatting with you earlier in the week myself and brendan king will be on the call tonight on these airwaves with brownsburg and zionsville um am i seeing the most complete team in 6a tonight in brownsburg
3: you're seeing the best team in 6a but again i I think this is a year where there are five or six teams that are not that far apart from each other in 6a so you are seeing one of them and the team that is clearly the head of the pack uh in terms of brownsburg but but the gap from them to the next best team is, is just not that big they played Cathedral in week number two. They're going to play uh, Hamilton Southeastern. Both teams are currently undefeated in week number nine. Uh, Brownsburg could see Ben Davis, who they beat in week number one, in a close game but one that Brownsburg, frankly, controlled for a good chunk of it. But that was without Ben Davis' starting quarterback. They could see them in week one of the postseason because they are now in the same sectional. So is Brownsburg the best team? Yes. But, again, this is not – Ben Davis, twenty seventeen, or Warren, twenty eighteen, or Senator over the last couple of years, where nobody was really that close to them. Um, they're the best team, but but the other te- the other teams are kind of nipping at their heels.
0: Is Mister Football as wide open as it seems like Six A is this season?
3: Uh, you know, you, as soon as you say that, I'm starting to think. I'm like, I'm not sure who I'd be voting for. Right? now. I really, really haven't thought of it. Uh, and again, you know, Kaden Curry. You know, was, was 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 that guy to me a year ago? Um, there have been other dominant names. I'm sitting here off the top of my head, trying to think of guys as I'm verbally tap dancing and so the answer to your question. What is about yeah. the
0: um, what about the Andrean kid going to Notre Dame? Yeah, Drake
3: Drake is a great candidate just because of his recruiting standpoint and the fact that he's a two-sport kid uh, and it led his team to a state championship in 2A last year. Good chance he could do that again. He does that, it could easily be Drake Bowen
0: uh shelbyville no patient. relation by the way <laughs> I'm, I'm sure a lot of people were wondering this is not a nephew uh, no i try to pull the distant cousin card but no the family tree doesn't seem to indicate anything uh shelbyville at one and five is taking on new pal shocking the world right greg
3: probably not um but the good news is they should be able to go home early okay. uh so i would imagine that's 25 mm. okay. i'm sorry jake
1: uh north central looking for their first win taking on lawrence central panthers shocking the world tonight right Probably
3: not, um, but I, but I, I think that maybe they can avoid the running clock in that game. How about that?
1: Okay. Baby um, steps. Shortridge and Attucks, a, a good matchup between two teams that actually probably pretty even matchup. Yes, I would think so.
3: Yes, I would think that'd be a very competitive game and potentially a victory for Shortridge.
0: Rick, we'll end with this: IU a three and a half, I think point underdog at Nebraska. Purdue is about twelve point underdog at Minnesota with Aiden O'Connell game time decision. You feel more confident in Indiana or Purdue getting the cover, potentially getting the win?
3: I would feel more confident in in Purdue covering just because A, I, I, do I think Minnesota is the best team in the Big Ten West? I do. Do I think that's a high bar to set? Probably not. Um, and 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 for Purdue's flaws, I mean, clearly they've been in every game, um, should be 4-0. and Even without Aiden O'Connell last week, they moved the football. I realize Florida, Atlantic, and Minnesota are uh, a little bit different levels of competition. But if I'm getting 12 points, I'd say, yeah. Um, in terms of Indiana and Nebraska, do I think Indiana can beat Nebraska? Yep. Do I think Nebraska is a mess? Yep. But it's still Indiana. And they give you reasons <laughs> to doubt yourself on a regular basis. So, in the fact, they did 38 points in the first half against UC last week. So, um, maybe who is more likely to win? Indiana. Who do I have more confidence in? I still have more confidence in Jeff Ross.
1: Do, do you realize, Kevin, that if you took the traditional Indiana helmet, you know how, like in TV, they put the two helmets next to each other? Yeah. If you took the traditional Indiana helmet and the Nebraska helmet and put them side by side, you actually have the postal abbreviation for Indiana.
0: You realize that? Well, I thought Rake stole a line <laughs> from Tom Crean there From for a second. It's still Indiana. Isn't that what – did Tom get that on a shirt?
3: <laughs> it's, 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 it's a different connotation that I'm trying <laughs> slightly, to Slightly. Okay, slightly, slightly right? Maybe verbatim, yes, right. sir.
0: So the shirt would work. It's just how you infer that phrase <laughs> right. would be the right. big thing there. Rake, uh-huh. enjoy Carmel and BD tonight, and I will see you in the press box on Sunday. Now, now, are
3: you going to Brownsburg or Zionsville? Where is that game at tonight? Uh, Zionsville. Okay, A, the elevator goes right to your broadcast location oh, at Zionsville. Uh, and I believe unless they have changed this, they still deliver Chick-fil-A sandwiches at halftime to Ooh. you in Zionsville.
0: So, you know, honestly. thing it ate on Sunday. Rake, I was really thinking to myself, is there a walking taco in the concession stands at Zionsville? Because if there is, I have got to get in line at halftime and just let Brendan King handle halftime.
3: Always the sign of a good color guy. More worried about the
1: food <laughs> than the actual game itself.
0: Right, uh, right. Thank you for the insight on Brownsburg and Zville earlier in the week. The and Colts uh, again, had
1: a play-by-play guy that was also known.
0: for <laughs> We'll see you on
3: Sunday. I'm going to let that one alone. See you guys.
1: <laughs> by uh, the way, uh, th- hey Jake, I like your "Why Not Indiana" way better than "It's Still Indiana" from Rake. You know, it's been a while since. I've said, why Not Indiana? Like you're talking about the Nebraska game. Who's going to win? Why Not
0: Indiana? Mr. Lamy right. did enjoy a sandwich or two from the concession stands. Well, I wouldn't say concession; you get nice media press box food. I like Bob a great deal. I've heard um, hot dogs and chocolate cake were favorites. Where does
2: Indiana same get time?
0: That's a weird combo. I, 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 I'll tell you off air. Where does Indiana get three more wins? Because that's where you're at right now. At Nebraska, Maryland, at Rutgers. Okay, hold on, hold on. Read off the schedule. At Nebraska.
1: Okay. Maryland. I'm throwing out
0: Michigan, Ohio State and Maryland Penn State is at home, right? Yep. Okay. After Maryland, who? At Rutgers, okay. At Michigan State, okay. And then Purdue. This is not their remaining schedule. I'm throwing out Ohio State, Michigan and Penn State. Okay.
5: Where Those they, are the where five do they, games that where I would do they spot play Penn as,
0: State.
1: Uh I do not know. Indiana will beat Nebraska. Indiana will beat rutgers indiana will beat michigan state and i'm gonna
0: say indiana beats purdue there's four right there boy if purdue loses that game their bowl eligibility could be in jeopardy correct i uh, hate to say No. o'connell injury game time decision is what the label was yesterday from jeff brahm but man, Purdue—it Purdue's what two and two right now. I, gosh, they've had so many just dumb penalties. I mean, listen,
1: well. I I love honestly, like I I like Purdue. I really want to see Purdue do well. I like Jeff Brom a great deal. I like Mike Babinski a a great deal, and they've got a great sports. I, I like Purdue, but it feels like Purdue already not once but twice has shot themselves in the foot and, like, kind of tarnished. I mean, there was a time when you looked at the schedule, you're like, man, they could win nine or ten games. No way. And they've had opportunities, and they just they're, – they're so self-inflicted. And I know if you – there are certain broadcasters that you listen to, and the entire game is nothing but official conspiracies against Purdue, and Purdue gets the raw end of the deal. Grow up, man. There are too many self-inflicted things for Purdue. You know what I mean? Bottom line. You
0: know, the schedule came out. We thought there was a great chance. Uh, not a great chance, but there's certainly a chance Purdue could have been, you know, 7-0. Right, along that's lines. what I mean. And now, at Minnesota's turned into a much different game than it looked like in the spring. And Minnesota's but, no joke, I'm telling you. Like, they're good. God, the missed chances with Penn State and Syracuse, and now your QB's hurt. and It could tailspin. So, this is a big one here coming up, really for both Purdue and Indiana. Indiana, trying to get bowl eligibility. Purdue trying to keep things somewhat afloat after squandering some chances uh certainly at syracuse a few weeks ago our coverage this weekend college football wise michigan at iowa at noon and arkansas alabama at four hey o'clock. that's a big one arkansas alabama that spread kind of surprised me woo pig suey you know, pig suey at uh-huh. home is a 70 17 and a half point underdog i'd
1: hammer that Although Alabama does rise to occasion, right? But Arkansas is good. 17 and a half. That's a good amount, right? Yeah, Arkansas is good. <laughs> what the? Is that. <laughs> Mark. So no, are you doing the pig calls. I do today. So that's a human. That's not an actual pig. So- <laughs> is
0: that Bobby Petrino? Right, <laughs> riding the Mopet. Was it Petrino? Was Petrino the one on the moped? Petrino was on the mo- uh, was a moped or motor- motorcycle, and then he had the neck brace. He looked like oh, the yeah. guy in. Yeah. Is it super bad to end the uh, end the movie? Now let me tell you something. Have you been Come to Arkansas? Pig. I have not. I've heard it's Come beautiful. On, Arkansas.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I've actually thought about doing this, Kevin. And you tell me if you think this would be the dumbest thing known to man. I I, I am so proud of the fact it's really the only thing I'm proud of I've been to all 50 states (laughs) I've been to all 50 U.S. states I've thought long and hard for a long time about doing a blog where I rank the states in my opinion from 50 to 1
0: oh you should it's a great idea
1: And, and I'm telling you right now Arkansas ranks far 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 higher than people would guess it is gorgeous yeah one of
0: my buddies of mine has been there he's like it is beautiful it is it is beautiful and i okay what movie
1: is this from See, so boys are from alabama huh well arkansas is a hell of a town Heard, i'm sorry little rock you boys are from alabama huh well little rock's a hell of a town what movie i got nothing Don't know. that's lieutenant dan when he first met bubba and forrest gump um But Arkansas is gorgeous. And Fayetteville, I've been to games in Fayetteville. Fayetteville's a fun place. I mean.
0: And you're going to stop at Ole Miss on your way back here in a few
1: weeks? Yeah, Byron and I are doing our road trip, and I think we're going to go to Ole Miss versus Auburn. They haven't announced the the kickoff time yet. So we're like, we kind of need to know. But that'll be – I mean, I've never been to Oxford, Mississippi, and and that apparently is pretty awesome.
0: We come back, one NFL GM with some high, high praise for Michael Pittman. We'll explain that. But let's do a morning check down here on Kevin and
3: the Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 Brought to you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
1: Major League Baseball in the National League, there are three teams that are still kind of relevant, if you will, because they're playing for the last two wildcard spots. The Phillies, the Padres, and the Brewers, and all three yesterday were losers, losing to the Cubs, Marlins, and Dodgers Respectively, it was the Red Sox over the Baltimore Orioles, 5 3. Cute fella is flying away, and the White Sox, 4 3. Winners over the Minnesota Twins.
0: At the Colts' final practice of the week, uh, just after noon today, the injury report improved from yesterday. You had Jonathan Taylor, Ryan Kelly, Stephon Gilmore, Yanni Ngakwe, all of them back to practice. Still no Julian Blackman with that ankle injury, and DeForest Buckner with an elbow injury. He's been at practice, but is not practiced practice either of the first two days. Shaquille Leonard continues to practice. I think this is week five for Leonard. He did have something to say yesterday in the locker room.
4: Yeah, I'm better, you know, yeah, each, each week has been, you know, better each and every week. And I'm, and I'm going to say this because I've seen it all on social media. If I'm ready to go, you know, I'm, I'm going to play. There's, everybody know me. I mean, I went out there last year with one that because I love this game. I love this game with all my heart and I do anything to play this game, you know, for a hundred years. So there's no such thing as me standing on the sideline just because of me. So if I feel like I can play to the ability that I know I can play and help this team win, I'm gonna be out there. But if I think that my ability is putting the team in trouble, I gotta respect my decision to say, okay, Zaire's playing the whole whole lot faster, this defense will be better with me standing on the sideline. It's just me gotta look myself in the mirror, tell the coaches that. Um, but you know, I just gonna do everything in my will to, you know, be on that field each and every week and when that time's come, you know, I'm ready to rock and roll.
1: Was uh was that during a ping pong tournament that he gave that? Yeah, interview? a little
4: ping
0: pong in the background, some cornhole. They got a papa shot in there. A little, little bit of everything in there.
5: Loud and proud. <laughs> yeah.
0: Who do you think is the best
1: uh cornhole player? Uh Michael Pittman. I would think that it would be Matt Ryan. C- can you Or throw, Sam Ellinger. Are you allowed to throw overhand in cornhole? That seems sacrilegious. I sack you get it religious but
0: can you do it is it against other the, is that just an understood that you don't do that in the house rules i've played that is just blasphemy to even attempts and it's like, like granny that. granny shooting it in basketball well rick berry did that and was like a 90% free throw shooter right
2: yeah That's... but you named one guy well back
1: in the day are you kidding me i'll bet john wooden shot underhanded free throws very common mm-hmm. any
0: any thoughts on what leonard said there jake i mean he was Pretty much being like, I think Guys, actually, I am not a hundred percent. Why should I play over Zaire Franklin and Bobby Okereke? I think it's
1: a good explanation, actually, and I think that you you mentioned earlier, I should listen, he be commended. Yeah, I do. I, I think he should because at this point, um, you know, he's earned that benefit of the doubt, right? Because he's been a, a very good player for them, and I don't know of situations where he is like prima donning himself out of the lineup, right?
0: I can't think of any. (laughs) I would not uh, not go there with him.
1: We're not talking about Malcolm
0: Brogdon here. Ooh. That was probably a comment that I would have made last year. Leonard mapped out his return to practice, basically said the first week it was about, you know, just trying to get some of the stiffness out. Second week, can he cover in space? The third week, can he tackle, move laterally? And just he does not feel like he is at, that 100% level yet so if he doesn't go I still haven't ruled out Sunday completely I I maybe feeling a little bit less confident than I did yesterday but if he doesn't go Sunday I'd assume he doesn't play Thursday Um, the earlier point that we made with Rakestraw though it's something to keep an eye on for Sunday Jake and I would think what happened with Tua last night just further emphasizes this if you get hurt in Sunday's game and I'm not even talking concussion head injury You're probably not playing Thursday. So I think this is always one of those weekends where you're always watching injuries, but considering the quick turnaround, I think you watch them even more when you have that Thursday night game uh, less than a week away. Uh,
1: A pitch of a cornhole bag may be underhand or overhand. A player, however, may not step on or over the foul line during the pitch of a cornhole bag. In that case. That's shady. That's shady. In my opinion, that yeah. sucks. Steph Curry be the greatest cornhole player of all time. It's not how I want
0: to play. No, not at all. Oh, still doing one. <laughs> <laughs> last night, uh, one undefeated team no longer. The Miami Dolphins lose twenty-seven to fifteen. So just the Eagles undefeated head into Week Four. The storyline from last night was Tua uh, uh, getting hurt. I thought that should have been a flag. I thought, considering you know, quarterback hits and. Um, you know, kind of throwing them to the ground. I, I felt like I don't know, maybe the magnitude of what happened to two on Sundays kind of weighing into some of my thought process with that. I was surprised it was not flagged. Um, he is in Miami. He flew back with the team and had uh, movement in all of his extremities. So, a little bit of good news in what was an awful, awful I was, look on many levels. I was
2: surprised he was flown back with the team last night. And that hit took place right after another roughing the passer
0: penalty, which was, uh, then that was a lower lot body. less. Yeah, yeah, a lot less than. The violence of that hit. Did I don't recall Austin Collie immediately flying back with the Colts when those hits happened. I felt uh, like he stayed the, overnight in Philly. Who it could was be the wrong Indiana? On who was the IU lineman that played for the
1: Chargers? Chris Dolman. Is it Dealman? Right, Dealman. He, his career ended because he had a concussion in a game. And then when they were, he was cleared and released and flew back with the team and had a seizure on the flight wherever they were going back, when they were going back to San Diego, had a seizure on the flight, and they made an emergency medical landing because the residuals of uh, – residuals is probably the wrong word. I am not a doctor. I, I, I try not to even play it well on the radio. But my understanding is, like, when you have a concussion or symptoms of it, Kevin, sometimes it takes – it can be, like, a, a day or later that evening when the when everything really presents itself, right? Yeah, I would think if there was any – I mean, Joseph Newgarden, remember at the IndyCar race where it was later and he like passed out? Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. Like,
0: whoa, wait a minute. You know what I mean? That's a great point. And he spent the night in Iowa, right? Correct. And then flew back to Nashville. Correct. Yeah. So I would think if there was any sort of extreme worry about extremities and or the severity of that concussion, he would have spent the night in but Cincinnati. But you would think that
1: if there were severities or concerns about concussion, he wouldn't have played yesterday. I mean, sure. that, that's been their whole thing, right? And we
0: focus on this a lot in the opening segments. If you missed that, it'll be up on the podcast. But... I think where the NFL needs to take a giant step forward is with, in particular, these Thursday night games, in that when you go from Sunday to Thursday, every player on your football team has to be evaluated extremely closely on the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, because you don't expose them to practice. It's not like you get out there like Alec Pierce did a few weeks ago, coming back from a concussion, and all of a sudden, he feels something, he's like, "Ah, I can't go they don't do enough, you know, aerobic activity on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to get that great evaluation, to get that great gauge on what things could look like Thursday. And obviously with what you saw with Tua in that Buffalo game, it should have been Teddy Bridgewater last night. Uh, Matt
1: Taylor, Voice of the Colts, going to join us 28 minutes from now. It's Kevin and Query,
0: 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, going to join us here at the top of the hour. It's Colts and Titans One of the smaller over-unders in the NFL this week. Colts favored by three and a half. Uh, Both offenses right now have had some issues. Tennessee, really their strength of running the football has been a problem for them this season. Um, And then defensively, they are the worst rushing unit in the league. That should be music to the ears of one Jonathan Taylor, who did return to practice yesterday. And I just had a little soreness coming out of the game on Sunday with that toe injury. Uh, but, Jake, I I just feel really confident in the Colts controlling this game and winning. Yeah, I would agree with that. I
1: Listen, it, it and I mean this as no disrespect to the Tennessee Titans, who have been, a you know, obviously a rock-solid franchise. It just feels like they're part of its injury, but it feels like
0: they're kind of backpedaling in, right? I said all week long, they are just wounded. They have lost some key guys, not just A.J. Brown the trade. No Taylor LeJuan at left tackle. No Harold Landry off the edge. So we'll we'll give our picks here in about an hour, but I feel pretty confident about the Colts in this one. We just got an email.
1: I have been oftentimes in my career – it's funny. When I was a younger guy, I was accused of being just like a hater and a doubter and a cynic. Now that I've been around a little bit and and I'm just old – I'm seen as logical. I guess after a while, long enough, people realize, well, this guy's been around. He's old enough. Maybe we just need to feel sorry for him and agree with him. But I'm going to issue to you guys right now a challenge here to see if I'm overly cynical about something involving football in Indianapolis. We just got an email, I'm assuming you guys got it also, saying that a study has found the economic impact of the 2022 College Football National Championship game played in Indianapolis. Okay? The study found that the economic impact of the College Football National Championship game benefited the Indianapolis market to the tune of $156.6 million. And I think, okay, let's let's take a... a Harder look at the numbers here. It says the college football playoff generated $53 million in local wages for tourism and other industry workers. Wow. That seems healthy, right? I wonder how it came to that. Well, here, let me allow you to say. Each visitor spent an average, according to this, of blank per day in Indianapolis. Now, let me ask you, Kevin Bowen. You're a Notre Dame fan, right? yes. If Notre Dame was playing in the national championship football game in, insert name of city, what city would you like to use? Uh, Miami. Miami. So you and, let's say your brother are going to go to Miami, right? He actually went to the national title game in Miami. Okay. Uh, When your brother went to the national title game in Miami, how many days did he spend in Miami?
0: Oh, he did it quick. Um, I want to say it was just a Monday morning flight down there and then flew back Tuesday morning. Okay. According to this study, the average length of stay –
1: For visitors to Indianapolis was 3.4 days, with 24% of them coming from Georgia. So according to this study, the average 24% of the people from the state of Georgia that live eight hours away decided to drive and spend 3.4 days in 15-degree weather. While here, they spent, now let me ask you, while your brother was in Miami, when he wasn't at the game, you're out doing stuff, how much do you, when's the last vacation you spent? You, you went
0: somewhere. Uh, I guess we went to Michigan with my family earlier this year.
1: Okay. Um, how much
0: do you think you spend per day? Does this
1: include hotel? It doesn't say if this includes hotel. I,
0: I would guess that would greatly shift
1: the There's prices. There's no way that this includes hotel.
0: It's not enough to include it's hotel? It's not enough
1: to include hotel. So this is the spending money each day.
0: 150 bucks 200 bucks
1: 281 dollars per day for people in indianapolis who apparently were eating all three meals at saint elmo right or Padachu or wherever um so let's just figure this out 156.6 million divided by 281 are we doing
0: one of your math problems on the show
1: I am the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate cynic with this stuff, right? So that would come out to 557,000 people that are spending $281 a day. Now, obviously, you need to factor in their hotel rooms.
0: Okay, fine. I mean, wasn't that the big thing? How many people were here for this? Wasn't that the big thing, the hotel prices? And... I believe, I'm not mistaken, you had a mandatory three-day stay well, for any hotel. So if you were going to book a one-night room, they're like, nope, uh, if you want to book a room, you have to be here for that's three That's got
1: to be where the three nights comes from, so that's fair. But then the but $281 per day, so that means they're— Dude, the SEC is crazy. Did it, so people that just came in for one day, though, that means that if you're factoring in— That means they spent $540 in one day, if they were just here one day, because the hotel says three. I'm just saying. I think it's fabulous. I think it's great. I think it's wonderful. I will go to my grave. And listen, a study group said this, whatever. Okay. I will go to my grave rock solid, 1,000% believing that there is zero chance that this city made $157 million in three days. I think it's wonderful, and I would choose it every which day of the week and and twice on Sunday for Indianapolis to host these events because nobody does it better, and it's fabulous, and it's wonderful, and whatever else. But I ask you, you live in Indianapolis, both of you guys. The national championship game was on a Monday night. On that previous Friday or that Tuesday, did you feel or sense anything around town right here working on Monument Circle about the national championship being in Indianapolis, Indiana?
0: No, but I mean, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, I, I was not – I was at the game. I mean, I certainly felt it Monday. Saturday and Sunday, I I did not venture downtown.
1: Nor did I. But you work here. Well, not on
0: Saturday or Sunday. Well, but um, Friday. I mean, the average person was here, or Tuesday. What about Tuesday? Tuesday morning, I I did see some lingering fans around. Yeah, I saw people on Tuesday. Uh, Those numbers are so, like, foreign to me, Jake, I wouldn't even begin to... Properly gauge if that's accurate or not. Well, because I'm thinking like about families fans... and
2: everything too. Like is it, are you counting like just family two? Like just a, a wife and husband or a friend or whatever, or like a family of five or something like that? Like I feel like it those says the average of two hundred eighty
1: one dollars per visitor. Per visitor. So for your family of three, you spend eight hundred and forty bucks a day.
0: Come on. This I mean, sounds like a math problem that you should yeah, this is, this throw to your professor realm. and say that I would like to Present this problem for my final and show my work on it and see if the who does that come from? Like who uh, who sent out that press release? I did not. I, I just checked my email. I did not get any. I think it was the it. Visit Indy. And listen, I love it. Don't get me wrong. I'm just okay. Should we have the Visit Indy How about person this? on to How about this? chat about it?
1: How about this? Um, the economic impact of the Super Bowl in Indianapolis in 2012 was I'm looking here 278 million is that right So you you're telling me that this did half of the Super Bowl The Super Bowl was like a week long event, right? With every hotel filled.
0: Alabama Georgia did half the Super Bowl? I don't know, 10 years, I don't know if that passes, does that influence I mean that's how much money it costs. I what I felt on the Monday and wait, I was wait down. A minute. Hold so on, hold on. At the time, the Super Bowl
1: in 2011, $150 and fifty million dollar intake. According to an article f- from two thousand twelve, it was one hundred and fifty million dollars. Now they're saying two hundred seventy eight million. That's probably adjusted.
0: What I felt on that Monday, the national title game was. This is one of the biggest things that I've ever seen. The SEC is absolutely nuts. These Georgia – and I was at I was at Bullseye, actually, before the game, and it was absurd to see how many people were in that building and how much food and drinking they I, were consuming. I get it. And I, for Georgia fans –
1: Again, I'm not disputing in any way, shape, or form that it's massive, but $157 million in three
0: days – wasn't that the big story though? Like hotel prices, people are gonna stay in Louisville because the hotel prices were so ridiculous and and if you're at the hotel, obviously you're spending gobs of money on hotel so food if and people drink stayed and in Louisville. That doesn't that that's not Indianapolis. Right. They were saying that people were thinking about right. staying in Louisville because of that. And George's first appearance, right, in a while. Yeah, again, I'm not disputing that it was massive. $157 million? Yeah, again, that number, it just doesn't like register to me if, like, is that accurate? or not. I, I... It's like the guy, you remember the the guy that caught a bunch of
1: grief because he posted something on Twitter about how he went to a Pacer game, and it cost him, like, $1,700, and people were like, I,
0: what? Yeah, that's a little bit easier for me to comprehend, like, the economic impact for an event like
1: that. I mean, that. I will tell you, I went to a national championship game in Tampa, Clemson, Alabama. I went to the game. I bought a, I bought a plane ticket. I bought a game ticket on the secondary market. I went to eat. I did the whole deal. And I can't remember what my game ticket cost me, but like I, I think the whole weekend cost me like four hundred bucks.
0: For a plane ticket and a game ticket? Yeah.
1: Jeez. It, it wasn't that's, I mean that's a hell of a deal. I when I when I was in Tampa, I you know, I mean like, I walked around the stadium, whatever. I didn't. I wasn't, like, going out for lavish, like, nights in the club every night I was there, right? And I'm sure people do that. And obviously some that. people are doing that. Right. They're some looking at do. this as a one-time some experience. Some people do, but I think the vast majority, Kevin, of people are like me and you or your brother, where it's like you're going to go, you wake up around, you know, 10, you walk around, you maybe buy a hat and a T-shirt, and you soak in the atmosphere, you go watch game day, you, you go and get a beer, and you go to the game.
0: I, I mean, think I think my brother's experience was over 1,000. Well, are Are you including the airfare? Airfare, yeah, hotel, yeah, okay. ticket as well. Right. He wasn't spending
1: $280 a day, right? No, I don't believe so. Right.
0: Uh, all right, Matt Taylor, Voice of the Colts. He joins us in about 10 minutes. Jake's got pen and paper out in the hallway right now, crunching numbers on that. These numbers don't add up. Economic impact. <laughs> SEC fans are different, Jake. Again. I think they were throwing them back. million. Jordan Schultz, NFL writer, messaged me earlier in the week, kind of alerting me. He's a big national guy, alerting me of an article he wrote and talking to an NFL GM that compared Michael Pittman to one of the greatest wideouts in NFL history. Which wideout do you think Michael Pittman was compared to? John Stallworth. The quote was, just the way he's able to separate at the line and also the top of his routes, his size is going to be one of the best, is going to have him be one of the best for a long, long time. Larry Fitzgerald.
1: Okay. I think Fitzgerald is a little better just in terms of overall athleticism. But Fitzgerald, and Fitzgerald probably a better
0: route runner, right? I would say, yeah, Fitzgerald probably falls to me more in the natural receiver route, just like fluidity his hands um I think you'll probably make the argument I mean Fitzgerald was a great athlete I don't know Pittman's pretty darn athletic as well I think where Pittman's next step has to come is really just being a guy that and I know touchdowns can be a little you know sometimes get to the goal line and boom all of a sudden you're handing the ball off instead of throwing it Pittman's got to get in the end zone more I will simply say this and then I will
1: drop I promise I'll drop the subject if the hospitality taxes are supposed to be what's paying off the balance on Lucas Oil Stadium and we just had an event that brought in $157 million presumably presumably predominantly within hospitality areas then why are we still so far lagged behind in the investment payments on Lucas Oil that's it that's my last
0: should we have someone from Visit Indy on to get a little deeper
1: into these numbers sure I mean, I, listen. I love it, and I love the fact that, and I they do g- fabulous work. I, I'm a huge fan. I'm just saying, when they these study groups that come out, it's like the group that charged IU like 150 grand to change their logo. I, where do they find these people?
0: Would you rather do a math project on this or a geometry project on how many fans are at the NFL draft in Nashville? Oh well, the the second one's
1: obvious. I can look at the eye test and go. There's zero chance that 750,000 people are there. Zero chance.
0: Voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. He joins us next here. Kevin McCoy.
1: So let's get right to it. Joining us on the Payless Liquors guest line, he is the radio voice of the Indianapolis Colts, Matt Taylor. And Matt, question right away for you. This sounds crazy, but when there is a big time divisional game, we know the owner's fired up, right? We've seen the tweets. When you're in the building, you're around practice, you analyze the Colts. Is there a different approach, mindset, or energy for divisional games? And that's not to say that they take the other games lightly, but I'm saying, can you see it within the approach for a divisional game versus a non-divisional game?
6: it's um, a good question. I don't, I don't think approach or intensity, maybe just different in, in terms of just guys, you know, answering questions and being open and honest about, you know, how much this game means, how important it is for, you know, the math of things and, you know, trying to win the division and understanding, you know, the parity inside the conference and the easiest way to make the playoffs is to win your division, knowing just how much talent there is in the conference and, you know, the tiebreakers and not wanting to miss around with, uh, you know, wild card standings in weeks 16, 17, and 18, so on and so forth. So I think every game is, you know, preparation's pretty much the same because you've got a. Basically, you just got to bring it. Otherwise, you'll just get dominated in this league considering how good these players are on every sideline. But um, I think it's just, you know, honest and refreshing to hear guys talk about how important this game is from a standing standpoint, what it means from a ramifications perspective, um, and just also, too, from a motivational perspective, too, because, you know, Tennessee's gotten the best of this franchise the last handful of seasons. You know, they've won four of the last five. Uh, the Colts have Beating beaten these guys since 2018 at Lucas Oil Stadium. They've been the class of the AFC South. So it is refreshing and honest to hear about just how much this game means from a psychological standpoint because of being able to kind of get over that hump which Tennessee has represented.
0: Kenny's okay, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Taylor, I think given where the Colts are right now from a run defense standpoint, uh, how banged up Tennessee is on that offensive line, I mean, you look at the Derrick Henry numbers, his yards per carry is not good, and he is getting hit in the backfield a ton. I I feel really confident about the Colts' run defense in this matchup. Am I a little bit too confident, or what are you seeing when you look at these two? I'm
6: with you. I feel confident as well because they're without their starting left tackle. That would be like if the Colts were without, you know, Anthony Costanzo, long-time staple at that, you know, corner position, um, you know, along that offensive line. You know, just Taylor Lewan has been there for a long time, good player, reliable player, consistent. So not having him, that's a big deal. I mean, nothing against Dennis Daly, but he's just not on that level. And I know they're banged up along the offensive line too with their right guard, Nate Davis, is on the injury report, um, yeah, and Derrick Henry just hasn't had that, um, you know, momentum uh, that he runs with, you know, because he just hasn't been able to kind of get to the second level of defenses quickly because he's been stacked up at the line of scrimmage or you know he's fallen, uh, you know, for a, a one or two yard gain consistently. Because you said he's only averaging about three and a half yards per carry, and so far this season, that's been the bread and butter of the Colts defense is stopping in the run. You know, James Robinson is the only guy so far. I know it's a small sample size. but because you've only played three games. But Robinson's really the only guy that's had an explosive day on him, uh, you know, really that one big explosive run for 37 yards uh, in Jacksonville. You know, other than that, you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire had seven carries for no yards the other day you know, for Kansas City. So uh, I'm more confident in Jonathan Taylor's ability – to grind down the uh, Titans defense than I am Derrick Henry doing the Colts defense. Uh, I just think that if the Colts can win on first and second down in this game. You, know, you, you change the way they want to play. You change the identity of who they are. Um, you know, you take away the strengths of their team because if, if they're up on the scoreboard or the game is you know tied or even in the fourth quarter, I think that's advantage Tennessee. So if you get these guys down on the scoreboard, they really kind of turn into a different team. And I know Buffalo was really 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 good and they've got one of the best offenses and they can score you know from all angles you know really quickly but they put the hurt on Tennessee early in that game and they made them play from behind and Tennessee just they they had no identity in that game because they couldn't run um and, and their offense is really kind of you know long and arduous and they rely on these long scoring drives and It's crazy. You look at their numbers, and they're not scoring a lot of points on the season to begin with. But in the second half, they only have seven points total in three second halves. So they've been outscored in the second halves of games by 50 points, which is the largest differential in the NFL. So I think if the Colts can get up early on these guys, take away their strengths, and you sort of take away their identity as a franchise with that physicality with Derrick Henry.
1: Matt, did you ever watch the Muppets when you were a kid? I know that I'm kind of using a dated reference, but they're kind of dateless. Did you ever watch the, the Muppets? I did, I did. yeah. So, so everybody talks about Kermit and Fozzie and Miss Piggy, but truly, the Muppets that people love are like Animal and Beaker and the Swedish Chef. They're like the unsung heroes of the Muppets, right? They might don't, be as don't forget good as about Gonzo now. Gonzo, same, right? Uh, although he he sleeps with chickens, that's weird, but uh, fine. So. <laughs> Speaking of chickens, so is Grover Stewart, I'm not going to say he's Grover, but like when we think of the Colts defense, we talk so much about DeForest Buckner and obviously Shaquille Leonard. They're great players. Uh, Julian Blackman's a great player, but is Grover Stewart emerging himself now as like the most unheralded, underappreciated defensive player for the Colts?
6: Yeah, I I think around here that I I think, you know, we appreciate Grover Stewart, but I think nationally, I mean, that's that's a position that doesn't get a lot of attention because he's in the interior of the defensive line. He's not getting a ton of sacks. He's not. Man, that's an important position,
1: Matt. I mean, Booger McFarlane was a key piece in the Super Bowl run because you got to clog up that middle, right? And he's always been
6: consistent, and he's always been a good player. And think about his his path, right? He's a fourth-round pick out of Albany State. You know, when he's drafted in 2017, Kevin, if I'm not mistaken, that was the year where the NFL Network was doing this gimmicky thing where they're trying to go around to all these different places in their respective cities, and they were trying to have – people, uh, you know, hype up the draft, and that was that was the year where... where was that the uh, orangutan, or is that yeah, Hassan Ridgeway? Was at, it was at the zoo. It was at the zoo, and, you know, Mike Mayock on the NFL Network is just ripping it apart. You know, Grover Stewart, you know, life, lifelong dream coming true, and we're talking about the monkeys in the background, and you're thinking, well, that's this guy's just going to be known for that, you know. His his biggest moment of his career is going to be the draft moment where he's, you know, presented to the National Football League on television, you know, through the zoo. Um, but I mean, he is obviously he's been so a grizzly bear
0: in his NFL career. <laughs> good
6: transition, yeah. well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, if you just watch him in training camp this year, you're thinking, oh my gosh, he's always been good and consistent, but it just seems like this year he's taking his game to the next level in terms of strength and agility and quick. And I'm telling you, if, if this guy gets underneath your pads, he's just going to pick you up and throw you right back into the quarterback. And he's he's been, you know, obviously a catalyst in the run-stuffing ability for the Colts defense. Um, and he, I think he's more than a player that just – to your point, Jake eats up, you know, space and takes on double teams. He's he's a playmaker. This guy's really really quick. And I said it a couple of weeks ago at the start of the season. You, you have to think long and hard about taking this guy off the field on third down, because you know at, at that. Uh, in those positions, you, you want to get you know your your quote unquote NASCAR package in and bring in some you know defensive ends and bring them inside and, and rush the quarterback that way with speed. But Grover is just as good, if not better, since, than some of the options that the Colts have right now on third and long. So he's a playmaker, not just a big body out there taking up space.
1: Now, in terms of the guys that, that flank alongside of him, that sometimes maybe benefit from him pushing things to the outward. Um, DeForest Buckner, according to Kevin, looked like Barry Bonds at practice yesterday with the body armor. What is the status or the health situation of DeForest Buckner?
6: Yeah, same same thing. I noticed the same thing, and um, you know, we're gonna have to wait and see today what that status is. You know, last week he didn't practice a couple of days. Same thing this week, but you know, I I would sort of throw in DeForest Buckner in with that in that bucket of just a gamer. You know, doesn't have to practice a ton. You know what you have. He's an All-Pro guy. You know, not not that practice isn't important, especially going into a game like this. But you know, you you trust DeForest Buckner to go out there and play at a high level despite not uh, practicing for two or three days. During the week, so we'll see. But um, yeah, it, it's one of those things where he, he's he's one of those guys you trust is to go out on Sunday and make plays.
0: Matt, we talk a lot about math on this program. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, is Uh-oh. with us here I on better, the playlist.
6: I, I, I better hang up here then. Liquors
0: hot. Well, I'm not going to make you do any math. Although Jake might give you a call later. He's crunching numbers over there on economic economic impacts for the city of Indianapolis. That's right. Uh, if you're going to rank the Colts games one to 17, and you're going to rank the importance of them in earning the AFC South crown. Considering how the season has unfolded, what the division standings look like here as we reach the month of October, I think it's fair to say you probably put this game second on the list of most important. Probably home to Jacksonville coming up in a few weeks will be more important um, considering you already lost to them. But is that where you would kind of slot it if you were going to rank like game's importance to win the AFC South.
6: I think that's really fair and I would I would agree with you now that Jacksonville becomes maybe equally as important i think going into the season we all thought that this game was going to be the biggest home game of the year because right. it is, is a home game it's Tennessee it's early in the season and you don't play them you know later in the season right it's not like you get a, a chance to go down there in week 14 you know in december and and you know enact some revenge if, if you don't get this game now I mean, you play these guys you know twice in a 21 game or 21 day span here in the month of October
0: and they have a bye week leading into that second matchup
6: no doubt no doubt so going into the season it it was Tennessee and some would argue that it's still Tennessee but given that you know Jacksonville looks really improved and you know maybe a player in the division that we didn't think about at the start of the season maybe that game is on equal footing or maybe a little bit more right now but I still think when it's all said and done that Jacksonville is going to come back to earth a little bit with a second year quarterback and a new head coach and still a lot of newness within that franchise and that these Two teams are still the the chief, uh, you know, competitors for the division championship, and I just think again, I go back to the fact that. Tennessee just represents this this mental hurdle for the Colts. You know, they have become, um, you know, very, very formidable, um, and that's putting it lightly inside the AFC South. They're the two-time defending champs. They've won 11 of the last 13 AFC South games, so they have become the Colts of, you know, the, the late 2000s or the, the early 2010s with the consistency and the domination of the division. They've got the most AFC South wins since 2018 when Frank Reich and Mike Vrabel took over as respective head coaches for these two teams. So um, the Colts know what time it is. And they know who's coming, trying to win at Lucas Oil Stadium against these guys for the first time since 18, and and, and just trying to prove to you know the fan base and, and prove to the division that the Colts are here, and they're much better than the product they put on the field the last three weeks, even though the Colts did get a marquee win against Kansas City. They didn't play their best football. So there's no doubt in my mind that this game in Jacksonville at home in a couple weeks um, – um, after a short week against Denver, two of the biggest home games the Colts will play all year. And we we said that at the beginning of the season, considering five of the first seven are against the AFC South, and there's just not a lot of mar- a margin for error in the back half of the season if you don't take care of business now in September and October.
1: Matt, we are obviously entering the weekend that will complete the first quarter of the season. Hard to believe that. Um, sure, it's a long year, but you start to kind of now get a glimpse or an idea – as to who everybody is to an extent heading into this completion of the first quarter, give me one team that has surprised you because you thought, wait a minute, maybe they're better than I thought. Not named Jacksonville. Okay. So Jacksonville's the office. So outside the division, a team within the league that has surprised you pleasantly and a team that has gotten off to a much slower start than you expected.
6: Oh man, good question. I think I need to pull up the the standings here. Um everything kind of gets jumbled here, but Yeah, I agree. You know, I think the Raiders immediately come to my mind because they're the only winless team in the NFL. So that was far. my
0: Super Bowl pick, Matt.
6: <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm right there with you because I, I've been public about my bromance with Derek Carr, and you know, I, I know they've got some, you know, some instability around him. But I, I think he's one of those guys you would classify good enough to sort of, you know, guide the team and overcome some of that. So their their start is is disappointing for me because of the respect that I have for for him as a player. I think the Chargers being one. And two that's disappointing yeah, they're so I know, banged up yeah i mean obviously it starts at quarterback there um you know pittsburgh is is one and two and you know i just really like their stability and culture as a franchise How about I mean, arizona one and two yeah yeah, you know, same same sort of thing. Uh, you know, Miami being three and one is a surprise, um, and really, I think they had a good chance to win last night's game. You know, considering that, uh, or I should say, if if Tua doesn't go out in that game, Philadelphia three and zero. Oh. Um, those are kind of the big ones for me. Um, you know, the, the Saints were projected to be pretty good in the NFC. They're one and two. Um, but yeah, Arizona being one and two, that's a surprise. Really no surprise there in the West with Seattle being one and two. Um, but th- this is just interesting because I was talking to my wife about this last night she was commenting on the, the Cincinnati uniforms. She's like, why did they screw this up? They made the Super Bowl last year, and they're going to go with these weird white uniforms. She really didn't grasp the concept of the, the third uniform or the alternate uniform. But, I mean, Cincinnati last year had an up-and-down season in the regular season, and then I'm not saying they came out of nowhere, but they sort of put it together, got on, you know, on fire in, the, in November and December, and that catapulted their run to the playoffs. So, listen, we're three weeks in, and – we're still so far from knowing, you know, how this playoff picture is going to uh, unfold. I mean, the Colts last year were 1-4 and four to start the year, and they were the team that nobody wanted to play at the end of the season until the, the end of the season came, and you know, we all know how that, that ended. And So there's just a lot of unforeseen things, good and bad, that are going to happen between now and the end of the season, and uh, there's always going to be a dark horse that makes a run at this thing that we're counting out right now in the, in the later parts of September and early October.
0: Matt, I know when we look at Sunday's matchup, we don't talk a lot about the Colts' secondary. You know, Tennessee should not challenge them immensely through the air. But I just think Gus Bradley and Ron Miles, the defensive backs coach, deserve a lot of praise for the changes they made personnel wise with their lineup. I know you and I talked about Isaiah Rodgers and would he play a little bit more last Friday, but they started Rodney McLeod over Nick Cross. And then when Julian Blackman went down, they went to Rodney Thomas II, mm-hmm. a rookie who had yet to play a defensive snap in the NFL. That's pretty unheard of. You know, in week three of the season, to make those drastic changes against that quarterback. And I get it. The challenge week to week should be different. And it is different. Tennessee is a vastly different team to prepare for than Kansas City. Um, but that was really well done by Gus Bradley and that bunch, because um, in particular, I think the secondary deserves a ton, a ton of compliments. Um, and I thought Eric Bieniemy actually did that yesterday in his press conference with with Kansas City for making those changes and not being afraid of the moment against the homes.
6: I'm with you. You know, Nick Cross goes from playing 100% of the snaps in week one, his first ever game in the NFL, to playing one total snap, uh, you know, week three against Kansas City. And a guy that didn't play at all in the first two games plays over 80% of the snaps in Rodney Thomas, like you talked about, the seventh-round pick out of Yale. And during training camp, he's not getting any run with the first-team offense or first-team defense. Heck, he's probably getting, you know – maybe seven or eight snaps of practice with the second team. I mean, he's – During
0: camp, he was a lot of third-team work, a lot of third-team work.
6: Right, so so credit to him, too. I mean, you give credit for the the, Col- the Colts coaching staff for making those switches, but you also have, get, have to give credit for the players to be ready to handle that sort of moment. I mean, Rodney Thomas comes in, and, you know, he's got the, the best quarterback in the universe, and Patrick Mahomes on the opposite line of scrimmage, and he's not overwhelmed by it at all. And this is a guy that, you know, he, he – he, Dropped it. I shouldn't say dropped out of school, but he took a, a semester off of school uh, because of the Ivy League canceling the the uh, their season in 2020 because of the pandemic, and they were one of those conferences that wasn't going to grant an extra year of eligibility. So he wanted to continue to play and develop and get stronger and bigger and faster, so he, you know, skipped a a, a semester, took a semester off so that he can come back and have his eligibility to play at Yale. I mean, and and what a payoff that is. And, you know, he's obviously brilliantly smart. And, you know, Ron Miles, you know, challenges these guys in his secondary every single week. You know, there's that story of him, you know, handing out a a test or a quiz on Friday, uh, you know, with all these different situations that can come up during the course of a game. How do you play this? What do you do in this situation? And Rodney Thomas is always just nailing it from a mental standpoint, and so that's why they felt comfortable putting him in that situation. And you saw it a couple plays in, you know, uh, Andy Reid and Eric Bien-Aimé and uh and and, and uh, Patrick Mahomes, they, they went right after Rodney Thomas on that deep shot on that pass intended for Justin Watson, and he made a big round, got his hand on it, deflected the pass. I know there was a holding penalty on it, but that was a huge play in that game. If they if they catch that, you know, they probably walk in for a touchdown, and the Colts probably don't win that game. So, you know, kudos to Rodney Thomas for being ready. Kudos for um, also, you know, you've got Rodney McLeod coming in and just being the total pro that he is and not getting – you know, been out of shape, that he was supplanted by a rookie who's never played uh, a game in the NFL starting over him in week number one despite having ten years of experience over him, uh, just coming in and, and handling the situation like a pro. And that's that's what the Colts have on this defense, a ton of guys that just get it, know their role, and know that it's going to be situational football week to week. And, you know, some, some weeks they're going to be called upon more than others. But, yeah, credit to this, the secondary staff and those guys in the back end, specifically Rodney Thomas and Rodney McLeod for answering the bell.
1: You know, the more I think about it, Matt, we kind of sold Gonzo short because he's really—and I've never really thought of this before—but Gonzo, Kermit, Fozzie, and Miss Piggy is basically, respectively, Kramer, Jerry, George, and Elaine, right? I mean, they're—they're they're clearly the top four, right? Yeah, I mean, Gonzo's got to be Kramer, correct? Uh, Kermit no is, question. Kermit is Jerry, no Obviously doubt.
6: Elaine is Miss Piggy, right?
1: And Fozzie is George. Like the neurotic yeah. guy. I mean, Fozzie's a little underappreciated. He's a bear that wears a, knows how to tie a tie, which is I, cool. I but. did think
0: Gonzo was a bit slighted by you. I thought that was pre-Kenny Moore before the Pro Bowl selection.
1: Yeah, Gonzo. So, yeah, Gonzo, is he is in the power four, right? Yeah. Without question. And then you've got, and then underneath that, then, so like. He'd be s- on the side of the you Muppets. You know, in all, I, I wonder if, we're on to something here. Swedish Chef would be the soup Nazi, right? <laughs> be- <laughs> Beaker would be Kenny Banya, right? <laughs> I mean, like, literally, like this, it, it, you could just go on and on and on, right? Hey.
0: Matt, if it gets ugly in the fourth quarter on Sunday, <laughs> you've got some material here. I do. I do. There's the fourth quarter, to Tennessee <laughs> Tartars,
1: her of her. <laughs> See, oh do you, do, are you ever actually, to use a Seinfeld line, do you ever thank yourself for the access to this neuroticism?
6: Yeah, listen, I'm never bored. I can tell you that. <laughs> I'm never bored and I'm never lonely because there's always somebody to talk to in my head. I can tell you that.
0: Matt Taylor, Voice of the Colts, the one and only. Uh, the call at 1 o'clock Apparently, on Apparently, Voice of the Colts. Uh, <laughs> our coverage will begin at 9 with j over the Bullseye Event Center. Network coverage begins at 10 o'clock as the Colts play their third divisional opponent of the season here at the Tennessee Titans. Mate, have a great call. I uh, met you to you earlier in the week, and I'll say it in front of a little bigger audience. Um, some great, great calls out of you on Sunday. I heard a lot of compliments, so congrats on that, and uh, enjoy Sunday.
6: I appreciate it, guys. Have a good weekend.
0: Voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Jake, I noticed you put on your glasses um, is that to crunch some of those numbers? You nah, were...
1: Marquise pointed out on the YouTube stream, you could tell. I was looking at my phone and I'm wincing, and I look like the angry guy in the uh, Jeff Dunham puppets. Speaking of
0: muppets. And Jeez, we're really getting our pitch. That's a lot of puppet yeah. talk today
1: <laughs> <laughs> loud
0: I, and proud. That's right.
1: Mark, where's the loud and proud
0: bumper?
2: I, I've been sidetracked by puppet talk. Yeah, we here. need to have a meeting about this, right? No, we don't. Loud and proud. We're to puppet, you into playing the right? This game.
1: one for Mr. I'm <laughs> you
3: know,
2: playing all the hits now.
0: <laughs> we got to hear a We Will rock. Well, I something. say we, we end with, oh, with just you Follow guys are
1: following. <laughs> yes, sir. yes, sir. Hold <laughs> up. <laughs> we will.
0: You know, I,
4: poor,
0: I, poor, man, oh, I say this ships I experience. say this with now the big. God, it is really Friday at nine at nine twenty-five here. I say this with all seriousness. Right before the kickoff, you know, we, we've talked about Colts game day experience and environment here on the show before, Jake, and some people were not too happy with our thoughts. I say this with all seriousness. Right before the opening kickoff. I literally think the last thing they play on the Jumbotron should be the Ursae We Will Rock You inside of that locker room. Yeah. And I literally think the fans would go nuts with
1: that. It's better than banging the anvil, which is the dumbest thing known to man.
0: Now, do you just keep Tyrese Halliburton on the anvil after last week? Is that who did it last week? Halliburton and then his Pacers teammates were all around him. Okay, I mean, that's kind of cool. Sometimes, though, it gets a little bit, like, obscure with some players, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean- Kind of like, did the guy get sick on well, Saturday? Mention, and that's who like, had did, a call? did we
1: ever figure out like what is it supposed to mean?
0: Oh, they did a long PSA about it. I know one of the whole Colts ago.
1: forged. Yeah. Some look, the Colts have come up with some really cool ideas. That one. Yeah.
0: Yeah, okay. I think that we will rock you right before kickoff. <laughs> right I mean, right, I mean right before Chase McLaughlin puts foot in ball. That needs to be the last thing. And I agree with you. JB says this, you should end uh, the show every day with Ursays we will rock you. We honestly should.
2: And when Gilmore makes a play, they've got a soundbite ready to go. And they
0: have video if they want as well. Yeah. This one from Mr. Gilmore. Uh, Freebie Friday for the pop quiz. Jiffy Lou prize pack uh, will be awarded to whoever gets on air. And like we said, really after Tuesday's show, we're looking for our second five for five of the week. If I remember correctly, the last two days, we have not sniffed it. That is correct. Have you taken a look at today? I have not. Scotty, did we get away from a lot of baseball, or is there still a good amount? Not much baseball. Not much baseball on today's pop quiz. I assume that will lend to the phone lines lighting up for today's version. You know, Let's. I
2: see one baseball question, four football questions, college and NFL.
0: Okay. Ooh. Okay. I like it. Um, all right. Before we get to a pop quiz, morning check down.
3: The Morning Checkdown. Omaha, Omaha! 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 Brought to you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan.
1: Major League Baseball yesterday. Cubs over the Phillies, 2-love. It was the Marlins over the Brewers, 4-2. And the Padres, short end against the Dodgers, 5-2. That's significant because those three teams, the Phillies, Brewers, and Pods, fighting it out for the final two wild card playoff spots in the national league
0: moving over to college football this weekend indiana and purdue, we'll give our picks coming up in about 15 minutes indiana's at nebraska purdue is at minnesota that's a noon kick for purdue i think iu is 7:30. i believe at nebraska uh, notre dame with a bye week five games involving ranked teams. so it's been kind of a couple slow weeks for these sorts of matchups in college football but we've got them, and Jake, I would say your Tigers probably highlight them all, hosting NC State, and that's been a good series over the years. Yeah, NC State's kind of like – they're
1: like Minnesota or Michigan State in the Big Ten. You know what I mean? Like you kind of never really think about them, but they're usually pretty respectable. Um, we'll see what happens in that game. It's a big one for sure. Uh, clearly, Night game, right, from Death Valley? 7.30 from Death Valley. Yeah, it was supposed to rain, though. Uh, they got another hurricane coming in towards the Carolinas, right? Oh, I thought that was Ian just restarting. No, there's another one. I thought, right? Oh, wow. That's awful. Well, you've got,
0: I thought coming in off of the coast, you have from the other side. Am I wrong? I, I have not heard that. What I heard was, you know, Ian hit the Atlantic and was ramping up or, uh, you know, okay. gaining category levels or whatever you call it. Anyway, <laughs> speaking of that, it well, will be Tampa grade. Bay still playing. Um, in their home stadium against Kansas City on Sunday night football. Uh, prime time wise last night it was Cincinnati getting a much-needed win. What was the final, like 27-15 or 20? I think 27-15 right. Yeah, it was a weird kind score. Kind of an awkward score. Miami actually had the lead with Teddy Bridgewater playing multiple quarters going into the fourth quarter, um, and then some Evan McPherson kicks, a big pass to Jamar Chase, and Hayden Hurst I'll put it on ice as Cincinnati needed that win. I actually like the white uniforms. I hope they make that a staple. Right, they were, again, I hope that's I, not a they one-off. They were pretty cool. I am good for like a. I hear what you're saying, Mark. I'm totally good for every team doing a one-off like that, though. I know some people are like, "How dare you?" Know, you no, know I'm saying I hope they bring unis. it back like
2: next year. I hope they. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. It's a. It's not just a one a 2022
0: season thing. Yeah, I uh, I, I would agree. It on is, that.
1: It is, Ian. You guys are right. By the way, that is headed
0: towards the Carolinas. I guess a little bit of good news on that front. <laughs> Nothing too um, in the strength department there. Um, with the Carolinas. Colts' final practice of the week is here. Uh, the injury report definitely improved from Wednesday to Thursday. You had Jonathan Taylor, Ryan Kelly, Stephon Gilmore. Gosh, every time I say Gilmore's name, I want to say it in <laughs> Ursae's voice. This one from Mr. Gilmore. And Yanni can go. He kind of plays like that, Gilmore. Just a nice, long, fluid motion and just like a smooth operator. Yeah. Stephon Gilmore. Agreed. No Julian Blackman, no DeForest Buckner. For what it's worth. We haven't even seen Blackman at practice. That's usually not a great sign. Uh, Buckner has been out there wearing the Barry Bonds elbow pad. It's even bigger than that. It's quite the contraption. It's a shield. We'll see what happens with Buckner and his availability for Sunday. But I think all in all, considering what Wednesday looked like, much better for the Colts heading into this final practice of the week. Uh, Pop quiz next. Pop quiz is next. 317 football. 1070. Jiffy Lube prize pack we're giving away, and then we'll do our picks to close out the show. All right, it's Friday. It's Pop Quiz time. Jiffy Lube oil change we are giving away to anyone that gets on air. And am I seeing this correctly? Do we have two Shanes on the line, Mark? Double Shanes. Wow. Where's Alan Ladd when we need him? It's not a name that I would have expected to have two of. Jake, Pop Quiz look pretty doable? Very.
1: Very. I mean, there's some bad memories of Colt's yesteryear, but yes, very doable.
0: All right, Mark, let's go with one of the Shanes. I'll let you pick. Oh,
2: well, don't put that on me. Jake, you just put glasses on. Mm-hmm. You're seeing a little more clearly. Mm-hmm. Who you got? Shane 1 or Shane 2?
1: Well, in the movie Shane, they end it by the kid yelling Shane repeatedly, so that would mean more than once, so we'll go with number 2. Okay,
2: Shane 2.
1: What's up, Shane? Not much. How are you guys today? We are fine, Doing Shane. Great, who, Shane who
5: is your all time favorite Shane? Oh, that's a great question. Um I uh, I I have no no answer for that. Do you, do you know
1: you're not from the north side by chance, are you? No, I'm not. How about Shane Henry Hadley? Would you go with that? Can you can we just can you work with me on that? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, Shane is interesting because it's a cool name and a a common name that's not very common, if you will. And I don't know, so pardon my naivete. Is Shane affiliated with a longer first name and it's – or is it just Shane and that's it? It's just Shane. Okay. And you grew up where, Shane? I was
0: really hoping he'd be like, yeah, Shaney old.
1: You know, like – there are like Jack is John or you know whatever. Okay, so sure. uh, Shane, you grew
5: up where? In Aurora.
1: Oh, you've called the program once before Indiana. a long time ago, right? Yes, sir. Because I believe we referenced Wayne's World, right? We did. Yeah, can we just call it Shane's World? That's a uh, that's you, an adult film service that it filmed it in Bloomington.
5: Adult. Yes, and yes, and when I was coaching basketball. <laughs> Um, we had some Shane's World shirts that uh, the uh, student section, that was uh, yeah. that was the student section <laughs> when I was head. State <laughs> Wow. That's and not I uncomfortable didn't know, at I all. didn't know the reference at that time. And then so. they went down to Bloomington and, and, they they took and took the And then they
0: took the shirts off <laughs> That's later right. in the night. Awkward. I <laughs> yeah, <I> was... <laughs> well,
5: right.
0: Shane, we're off to a good start here. Shane, here
1: we go. Would you like, for me, that would be Jake, who uh, has led you down the wrong garden path here, or Kevin to lead you <laughs> off with question number one.
0: Uh,
5: We'll start off with Kevin today. All right,
0: Shane. Purdue travels to Minneapolis to take on the Golden Gophers tomorrow. It's the 78th time the two will face each other. Mentioned it earlier, kind of like the Kohl Center for IU basketball. Who leads the all-time series between Purdue and Minnesota in football?
5: Uh, I'll say they're tied. Ooh. Wow! Boy. What if I told you you're playing chess They're here. not tied, Shane. Okay, then uh, Minnesota. Okay.
1: Question number two. Last night, the Dolphins' loss leaves Philadelphia as the lone unbeaten in the NFL. Can you name the last team that was the last unbeaten team of a season to go on and win that year's Super Bowl? Was it the Colts, um, the Patriots, the Seahawks, or the Chiefs? Ah. Uh, Uh, I'll give you a hint. This team was coached by a guy that played at Minnesota.
5: Okay, so I will say... Did you say Tampa was a choice or no? No. Colts, Patriots,
1: okay. Seahawks, or Chiefs? No, Colts.
5: Okay. Colts.
0: All right, number three, Shane. The Colts host the Titans on Sunday. The Colts have lost their last three regular season games to the Titans, tying their longest regular season losing streak against the Oilers or Titans franchise. Name one of the three starting quarterbacks for the Colts the last time they dropped three in a row in the regular season season. So the Oilers and Titans, my hint is it's right around my birth.
5: Okay, so that I will say Jeff George. Okay. All right. Uh question number four. Last night, Tyreek
1: Hill. Something brewing here. Uh Tyree Kill had 160 yards and the Dolphins lost last night through the air. Second time this season so far, he's gone over 150 yards. Who was the last receiver to have multiple 10 catch, 150 yard receiving games in the first four games of a season. Is it, in fact, Tyreek Hill, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, or Justin Jefferson?
5: Um, Justin Jefferson. Okay.
0: All right, number five, Shane, 95 years ago today, remember like it was yesterday, Babe Ruth hit his 60th home run of the 1927 season. His record would stand for 34 years. Name the team that the Babe hit his record-breaking homer against. Boston Red Sox, Philadelphia A's, Washington Senators, St. Louis Browns. Well, this
5: one I know was the Washington Senators.
0: Wow. Why or how do you know that? <laughs>
5: I, I just knew no stupid stuff. I actually have a New York
1: Yankees <laughs> jersey slap in the from face Jay. In fame, Ruth. I have a Yankees jersey from Jay Peterman that has the date on it, like of that actual home run. I have no idea how or why it happened. Really? I have I
5: think Tom Zachary was the pitcher, I believe.
1: Gosh. I
0: feel like we should give Shane extra
1: credit, not to be confused with Randy Zachary, <laughs> former basketball player.
5: All right, here we go.
0: Uh, question number one. In fact, Minnesota 41
1: 33 uh, and great. Frito.
0: We did you know this question, Scotty, or did you come up with it once we had the discussion in the opening segment? It's the last time the last unbeaten team in a regular season went on to win the Super Bowl, it was indeed the Colts. Let's go!
1: Coached by gopher Tony Dungy, by the way. Uh, Gary Hogaboom, Jeff George, that was and a great Jack hint. Trudeau,
0: Loud All right, it was three for three, but number four, the lone slip-up for Shane, the last receiver to have multiple 10-catch, stay on the line, Shane. 10-catch, 150-yard games in his team's first four games of the season. He said Justin Jefferson. The correct answer, though, the Cheetah, Tyreek Hill. You blew it!
1: You don't get to come back tomorrow. You don't even get a lousy copy of our home game. You're a
0: complete losers. well Zachary mentioned it was uh it was fun while it lasted in the answer I felt like Shane getting that right number five the confidence in naming the pitcher he almost deserved to go five for five I mean that was impressive that was close very close um did you guys see who now it looks like is going to be the starting quarterback in London on Sunday? Yeah, this London Saints. game's taking
2: taking a turn. Well <laughs> Michael Thomas has been ruled out already. It
0: wasn't on a great path to begin with with yeah. Jameis Winston and Kirk Cousins. Jameis Winston is doubtful, the Saints backup. Oh, it's that uh, one fellow that plays every position, right? Oh, Taysom Hill. Oh that you'd think that would be nice. Uh the Red Rocket, Mr. Dalton. No, oh, thank you. You would think the way they pay
2: Taysom Hill, he would be their second-string quarterback, and he's not. It's it's very weird. Patriots
0: started going with Brian Hoyer. Ooh boy! Did Hoyer ever start a game here?
1: I think he did, didn't he?
0: When Jacoby got hurt,
1: I thought he was one and two as a starter. Am I wrong?
0: You see Belichick's press conference about Hoyer this week? Just peak Belichick. You know, what are the things that Brian Hoyer brings to your football team? You know, why have you continued to go back to him? He's a good player. <laughs> I mean, he's answering the question, isn't he? <laughs> All right, we'll give our picks to end the show. A little Purdue action, a little IU action, any NFL locks that we like, and the Colts as a three. Is it still three and a half? Three and a half point favorite. On Sunday against Tennessee, yeah, three and a half and an over-under of 43, which is extremely low when you look around the NFL for this week. We will do that to close out the show here on a Friday. Kevin and Corey. Blame Jake
2: Quarry. That's what I'm saying. What did I do? Oh, you when September ends, It's so generic. Okay, I'll play generic Friday songs all show long. That's what we've done. I (laughs) mean, I don't know how, you know.
1: Um, there are a couple of lines in, in this weekend that seem really obvious to me.
0: Really? NFL-related or? College. College? Yep. Well, let, let's hear them. You said Arkansas 17-and-a-half earlier? Arkansas getting 17-and-a-half. Is that game in
1: Fayetteville? Fayetteville. Yes. Uh huh. I would take Arkansas all day long on that. But, but Alabama, I will say, is one of those teams that kind of plays to their level of competition. So I could see Alabama... Alabama can be a little dangerous to touch, admittedly, because they usually have, like, two flat performances per year. You just never know. I, so I wouldn't necessarily – I mean, that seems like a huge number to me, but I would kind of stay away from Alabama just for that regard. I Listen, North Carolina State and Clemson. I love Clemson, but they're giving 13 to North Carolina State, who's really good, and Carolina State – has this is like Carolina State's kind of benchmark game, and the weather's not going to be great. I would take North Carolina State till the cows come home. God, getting is it really 13, that high? Getting thirteen? That is crazy. I'm seeing seven. I'm looking right here. Um, I mean, I, I guess it depends on where you're looking, right? I got Clemson minus seven. Okay, that I, in that regard, I would stay clear of it. But what I'm looking at is Clemson at thirteen, and I'm telling you. Um, if it's me, seven would you touch it I probably would not touch that at seven I would stay away from it uh, the other one what, what do you have for I've got Clemson minus six and a half okay then it's obviously I don't know I'm looking at let me look at uh, I should be looking at DraftKings obviously for the obvious reasons um, Michigan and Iowa I, and Iowa doesn't have enough they can't score enough points take Michigan right I don't care what the line is take michigan i i see it at four but either way i would take michigan and then washington is giving ucla two and a half i i take washington all day long i think it's at ucla but you know they get like 32 people at games
0: i'd like to think purdue could cover but i don't the aiden o'connell injury obviously is not good i i just part of me doesn't want to believe that minnesota's this good Hey, you talk about economic impact for the Big Ten football championships. You'd probably want Minnesota to represent the West, wouldn't you? I see Clemson at six and a half. I would stay away from that. Yeah, what's I'm taking? Minnes- about... I'm taking Minnesota to cover economic impact for the city of Indianapolis. Minnesota coming here would be good, right? It
2: would be huge. Yeah, they because... gotta
0: spend nights in hotels. They've never been here before. Correct. That would be big. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna, oh gosh, I'm gonna go with Purdue. But, oh boy, I might regret that. You uh, I don't feel good about. So, uh, listen. Interim head coach off a of bye week just seems like seems like they'll they'll put it all. Uh, I don't know if they'll put it all together, but they'll put it together enough. I was really disappointed in Indiana last week. They get off to such bad starts. Yeah, I mean, isn't that coaching? Sure.
1: I mean, I hate to be a square, but isn't that coaching?
0: Yeah. Uh, NFL-wise, what jumps out at you? I've got two. I am going with, well, I was trying to get this line before the news of Michael Thomas and Jameis Winston. The last line I saw was Vikings minus two and a half.
2: It's jumped to three and a half now.
0: If you could have gotten it two and a half, one thousand 1,000%. Uh, the other one I like is the Browns, one and a half in Atlanta. See,
2: I like the Falcons. There, I feel like there's something weird when they go to Atlanta. I feel like the Falcons might stun the Browns this weekend. Oh gosh, I know. Can you name four Falcons? Cordell Patterson, Marcus Mariota, Kyle Pitts. Uh, well, Calvin Ridley's there, but he's not. <laughs> so well, I got three. Oh yeah, y- cool. uh, Yankuho, their kicker. You,
0: there you go. I thought it was like Young Ho. Whatever. You I named four. Hey, that
2: counts. Where do the Bears play the Giants? In New York. Oh, no, not New York. In New Jersey. (laughs) Thank you for being exact. Boy, that was some nice clarity by Mark Dykton. How many is Philly giving
1: to Jacksonville?
0: Uh, Five and a half, six and a half, something
1: like that. Six and a half. Take Jacksonville. I'll take Jacksonville. I'll take Pittsburgh to cover over the Jets, and I'll take the Colts to cover over Tennessee.
0: Mark, anything you like outside of Atlanta? Uh, Bears plus
2: three. Boy, Justin Fields, you better step up if you can't beat the Giants yeah, right I, now. I
0: did think about that one.
2: And then uh, Rams plus one and a half against the 49ers. Uh, I'll take that all day. So, those are mine. That's
0: a road game, right, for the Rams? Yes.
2: hmm
0: All right, let's look at Colts and Titans. Um, three and a half, and the over-under is like 40, what is it, 41, 42. Something around that. Again, Titans have won four of five in this matchup. Uh, I'll go first. I, I just think the loss of A.J. Brown was absolutely massive. And as I've said all along with the show today, I feel so confident in the Colts' run defense getting it done. I think Grover Stewart's going to live in the backfield. Tennessee's offensive line is banged up and not good, which is a – Bad combination. Henry's getting hit in the backfield more than he's ever been. And the Colts live in the backfield. Number one run defense in the NFL. Um, I think it's important to get a lead. And unless they have a bunch of self-inflicted mistakes, I really don't think this is going to be that competitive of a game late. Uh, Went a little high scoring earlier in the week. I've come down a bit off that. I will go 24-13 Colts. By
1: the way, speaking of Brian Hoyer, My buddy Bart says, uh, Hoyer did start a game against a really bad Dolphins team. He was awful, and they
0: lost. Yeah, I do remember that. was a bad Dolphins team, too. Uh, I will say
1: for Sunday, Derrick Henry is the key, obviously, but it just seems like he's off to a slow start, and they just can't get him in open space, even though as a downhill runner he is really, really good. Um, I do think that Tennessee will be able to get some points but not enough, so I'll say 28-23 Colts win. I've got Colts 23-17. So that would put the Colts at?
0: Might be our first clean sweep of the year. That put the Colts at 2-1-1. Two, two, one, one, one one yep. Heading into Thursday night football with Denver. Should we all have them beating the Texans? I feel like oh, that. Oh, yeah, that, that is probably true. A Shameless plug tonight. Myself and Brendan King on the call of Brownsburg and Zionsville at cool. 7. You guys got any weekend plans?
1: Uh, tomorrow from 12 until 2, I'll be at the Ball State game. Come out and say hi. Chirp, chirp. Um, Chirp, chirp, yep.
0: And Who then, they got? Uh, Boy, you know what? If you hadn't asked, I'd have been able to tell you. Northern Illinois, I believe. I was just going to guess one of the directional. right, Scotty? Yeah. I was going to guess one of the directional Michigan schools. You probably would have been safe there. Chippewas, Broncos, (laughs) one of them. Northern Illinois is kind of good.
2: They've been a good program, yes.
0: Mark, anything? Heading to
2: Newfields for Harvest Nights with the family tonight.
0: Enjoy it. Crisp night for high school football. We'll talk to you guys on
1: Monday. Have a great weekend.